stars align, the rights shall come to bear. Illuminate the signs, the exiles shall be. I'm Robert Fenner. And I'm Alva Chua. And you are listening to Misanthroplay. Uh, we're back with our first proper episode of 2018, and we are finishing up our deep look at Supergiant's oeuvre with uh, their third and latest game, Pyre. Mm-hmm. And um, a pretty recent one as well, as this came out uh, in the middle of uh, last year, 2017. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, at the end of the summer in, like, August. Uh, yeah, that's right. And... Uh, I think it quickly rose to be... Oh, it's difficult, because Transistor is one of my favorite games, but uh, this was definitely one of my favorite games of last year, even though I didn't finish it until uh, just recently, actually. But, I mean, that was just more a feature of how uh, busy and uh, action-packed uh, 2017 was. So, um, Supergiant Games, still the same crew, uh, came together to produce this game. Uh, still, majority of writing done by Greg Kasavin. Mm. Uh, that uh, soundtrack by Darren Korb, which has a different tone now. I thought, um, I ooh, <laughs> that that could indeed be one of the instruments heard in uh, in Pyre soundtrack. But uh, I felt like this uh, this particular soundtrack uh, was, I mean, for a start, much more varied than the soundtracks of the first two games. It still occasionally strays into a kind of a, a Western sort of vibe in moments. Yeah. But in some moments, there's there's a... I, I got the most... I mean, and, you know, there, there are even bits of, like, a spare minimal 80s-style synths in some of the Constellation segments. I really liked the music there. I am... Um, <clears throat> now I've lost my thought. <laughs> well, maybe we should talk a little bit about what this game is. Yeah, yeah, you're um, right, yeah. Because in... Supergiant's tradition, um, each of their games is pretty different from mm-hmm. one another, but I think this one uh, breaks uh, breaks what... Like, if, if you could say that Bastion and Transistor came from a single mold, which wouldn't exactly be accurate, uh, Pyre is... It's something very, very unlike anything they've done before. It definitely is, and uh, I think if you look at the meat of the game... Oh, actually, you can't, you can't even do that, because it's composed of two very disparate type, types of game, really. Hmm. Uh, which, you know, one could say you spend more time in one game type than the other, but really they're, they're both, like, very significant in the level to which you interact with them, into, you know, the amount of how mechanically complex they are. These two different game types I'm talking about are the uh, visual novel aspect, which when one first looks at the game, you don't necessarily get that impression that this is, in many ways, a visual novel. Well, I mean, it looks like a visual novel, and it borrows the um, static portraits with a dialogue box, but it's much more of an adventure game, mm-hmm. I would argue, um, that, that looks like one. What do you say? What would you say makes that distinction? And, and this is like ignoring the uh, the rights part of the gameplay. Uh, interactivity, stats, choosing your path through areas. Um, there's a lot of interactivity. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're choosing who to speak to when, uh, and this. A visual novel, you're really... I feel like you're really going down a path 
Uh, whereas um, an adventure game, or even like a Japanese style adventure game, mm. there there's more player agency there. Right, because I mean, I, the, you know, I'm thinking of something like I mean, would you call something like uh, Virtue's Lost Reward a visual novel? Uh, no, I don't think I would. Okay, all right. We, um, I, I suppose I'm thinking of stuff like like in my mind, I think of things like like. Uh, Virtual Zoster World on 999 uh-huh. has been kind of, at least, you know, visual novels with a puzzle element as opposed to just, you know, a puzzle game or an adventure yeah, game. Yeah, like, they're more, they're more visual novels than, than, say, Danganronpa is. Right. But Pyre is definitely using visual hallmarks and inspiration of visual novels. Yeah, I, I'd say that that was definitely true. The way that I it, think it transcends yeah. that. Mm-hmm. It, it's it's its own thing for sure, and and like things in the branching storyline and the complexities of the character interactions, it feels like more rich than what I'd expect. Well, it feels more rich than what I'd expect about uh, out of a lot of adventure games when you get down to the end of it. Yeah. Um. But uh, I suppose it makes the after playing for a few hours, it made this a sort of similar impression, like you say, using the visual mm-hmm. and style hallmarks. Uh, that you'd get from a visual novel. I mean, one of the things that that kind of struck it's me definitely in that format. Yeah, yeah. Um, the kind of like you know the limited uh, character react animations, that sort of thing. You know, yeah. again, I I would expect that from a visual. I mean, I, although I suppose yeah. you'd expect that just as much from something like a Persona game as well. So uh, yeah, I guess you would now. Yeah. Um, I did think that you know, uh, comparable to games in the style of visual novels and you know, say JRPGs. It had a similarly um, initially quite spare-seeming style of writing, which hmm. I feel works for it pretty well. One of the uh, mechanics this game has, which is unique, I think, well, or I think may has, has appeared in previous games, but I haven't seen much lately, is the use of hyperlinks in the game text. Yeah. Uh, so you have these sequences where you talk to someone and they'll refer to uh, some element of the fantasy world that you're in. Hmm. Um, and by the way, this game is set in the fantasy world. We'll, well, we'll, we'll get into describing that in a little more detail. But uh, someone's talking about element of the fantasy world or a previously named character, and you can highlight that piece of text and see a brief description. Cool. So it makes it easy to go and come back to this game, but it also makes it easy to um, to sort of delve into the character background, character relationships, or lore as deeply as you want to yeah. or, or not at all you can kind of like skip over some stuff um uh, there's a good example which is there's, there's the character tizo who's uh this kind of imp that talks in little like kind of animated gestures and squeaky noises you know he's a cute character he's he's a porg basically i guess um but you don't know what he's exactly what he's saying but if you highlight his little um articulations they they basically give you the gist of what he means, which is you know just an example. And and, and these hyperlinks are used in quite a like a to quite if you know good effect. I think in conveying the story in a way that doesn't feel like forced. It's like also it's it's I feel like it's a better alternative to something like codex entries. Yeah, because you're you're getting this information while you're interacting in the story element. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and the other part of the game that we um, haven't yet described is um, are the rights. Mm-hmm. Uh, which uh, this is a basketball visual novel. Uh, yeah, this is a basketball visual. This, this is like a slam dunk for Sega Saturn. Uh, yeah, of course, you know, or you know, or one of those uh, sports mangas. Um, so you conduct these rights for a reason that that we'll explain in in laying down the setting, um, and they play something like a sports game, but I'm not completely sure. 
I'm not really completely comfortable comparing it 100% to a sports bail. People com- uh, sports game. People have compared this to um, NBA Jam, mm. for instance, because you play in teams, generally play in teams of three on three. Uh, and you've got to uh, deposit an orb into a into a are they actually called pyres they are, they are. They? yeah into a pyre um, and you can do this by you know hurling it in or you can get you can do extra damage to the pyre because you've got to take the pyre's hit points down to zero to win the op- enemies uh, the opposing team's pyre I should say uh, you can take it down even more by throwing yourself into the pyre mm. and that gets that gets you more points. It's a kind of a touchdown, I suppose. Yeah. Uh, your character is temporarily banished from the game when you do this. For that next round. Uh, yeah. Um, different uh, modifiers or different characters or different ways you can outfit people can change the terms of that banishment or how quickly you return. Some of them can return Im- immediately. I think that's only if you're banished by another player. Uh, right. If you dive into the pyre, you're banished for that entire turn. Hmm. Until another pyre gets... I thought one of the finished. characters had a counter... Oh, I'm, I'm pretty sure that one of the characters... I think it's Pamitha has a... Has a uh, artifact that has a percentage chance of, of allowing her to return immediately if she dives into the pyre from flight. Oh, I think you're right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but that's, like, the exception. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's a, And it's a very specific ex- exception. Uh, of which there are lots of, like, little tinkerings that you can do with the rules again similar to transistor uh the the previous super giant game we talked about the way the mechanics interact in this in this game can be very complicated the basic part of it is you're running around this this uh arena trying to dunk this orb Mm -hmm. but the way that plays out means that you've got different characters who move in different ways one character is a kind of a snake-like character the harpy that i described is like you know a a character who can fly for short distances there are teleporting characters um only one character can move at a time you uh, have to switch between them you can't have the ai doesn't control characters who you're not currently governing that's a good point yeah i i um i yes there's like a rule there's like a rule in the lore where Mm -hmm. it's like it's forbidden for anybody else except one of them yeah (laughs) yeah which is a handy kind of cheat and this game has like a lot of like elegant solutions to to the way it plays as a game that are kind of tied into the lore um so you're controlling one member of a three-person team uh they've got auras which form a barrier uh, against against orb carrying members of the opposing team so if you've got no uh each character's radiates an area of effect around them that you can't pass through uh if you're on the ground and carrying the orb if you do pass through it you get banished um so you can slam your aura into someone who's carrying who's carrying the orb uh you can also cast out your aura at someone uh like a kind of a you know like a what, what what's that punch in fatal fury um, that that uh, Terry uh, Bogard does. I was, I was thinking Kamehameha, but uh... Uh, I mean, yeah, sure, yeah, sure. I, I think of that as being like more kind of airborne. I mean, the, yeah. I think the aura casting in Pyre is that the one where he punches the ground. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's gr- something wave. Uh, it might be ground wave. Um, yeah. Uh, so you can you can cast out your aura in a different you know in the pattern that varies. The timing of casting your aura varies depending on your character. Some characters don't cast their aura but charge instead in a, in an equally damaging way. And while your aura is cast, that mm. means the aura is not surrounding you. So somebody can just come up right behind you with their aura mm-hmm. and, and knock you out. Yeah, and already, again, this sounds like kind of complicated. Although the basic, it, it, it becomes 
quite intuitive after a while i found mm-hmm. uh i mean there was one character that i never really got to grips with but um the last one uh yeah it was yeah i yeah. kind of didn't like using him I, I sort of like figured him out just as i was getting to the last couple of matches and yeah. by then i was like i don't like using this guy um but uh, yeah again the variation of powers the talisman talismans you equip can affect these powers as well um the re- they can be passive buffs they mm-hmm. can uh you know do extra damage or immediately uh deduct from the opposing team's pyres hit points hmm. at the beginning of a round or at the beginning of a, a right rather yeah the, the the reason i'm reluctant to just say oh it's like a sports game is that i mean it is like a sports game you're trying to score points but uh it's also characters uh, using different movement abilities and using powers to shoot at each other and uh, deflecting or avoiding these shots there's something that you do in a, in a lot of computer games that aren't necessarily you know based around the sport um you know there's elements of, of that make it a bit like a capture the flag game uh you know you're doing damage to uh, a source instead of just scoring raw points even though the damage is calculated in points mm-hmm. but the ways that damage can be modified also come into account it doesn't for me i never i mean like in the context of the game it's it's like a sport as well but i didn't see it as a sport after playing it quite a bit you know it's weird yeah, yeah it it's is. definitely not you know just a fantastical sports game yeah there's, there's more weirdness mm. going on there for lack of a better word i mean if you think of a game like dota uh, i suppose it's like kind of you know that I, I'd see that as a reasonable like kind of uh, comparison. Really, you've got the different characters with magical powers running around trying to stop, the, you know, them from doing damage to something. So I mean, that that's kind of the thing I, I, I had in mind. Yep, indeed. It's so um, yeah, um, and this is all played from a, a top-down perspective. The characters are they they're I mean I don't know if they're pre- I, I'm assuming they're pre-rendered to some degree, uh, but they're lavishly animated. Uh, I think they're not well. Yeah, uh, yeah pre-rendered probably. Yeah, that, they're definitely not uh, polygonal models. No, no, they, they, yeah, they, they seem to be sprites. You can see like this ever so slight uh, tick when uh, uh, sprite changes direction. Okay, it right. Says to me that it's a two D hmm. animation. I didn't notice that tick. I mean, because, partly because a lot of the flourishes in the character movement, mm-hmm. or for instance, if they if they uh, dive into the pyre are very very lavishly animated they are yeah yeah you, you get these sort of like really really detailed uh you know moments of high frame animation uh stylistically it has a lot in common with with uh the banner saga i thought i don't know if you you felt I thought that. so yeah yeah uh, only it's much more colorful much like more like banner saga by way of pyre yeah i mean sorry not pyre by, <laughs> by way of transistor yeah yeah um there's a uh, there's a, uh, a sort of a kind of a 70s aesthetic i felt in in some places it reminded me a little bit of some 70s animation which i guess or like heavy metal yeah or or like like you know like a more lavish version of like a ralph bakshi lord of the rings you know not as rough obviously okay, yeah yeah um which again like you know i think i think there's that old uh, older school animation uh, aesthetic in banner saga as well mm-hmm. um yeah, definitely on the on the map screen when you're seeing the the way that the uh, carriage uh, animates mm mm-hmm. mhm there's definitely a kind of old school yeah and the use of colors as well yeah yeah mm-hmm. um i mean going back to the brief mention i made of the uh soundtrack earlier uh i think of a 70s aesthetic in this game because there's the prog rock style in some of the tracks 
there's this animation style. The, the colors look quite psychedelic as well. Yeah. So, so um, you know, there's that, that idea of, of a, you know, a psychedelic fantasy world. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, the setting itself is, is kind of like, you know, you go to, to one of the one of the places where the rites are conducted and you have these like multicolored forests or or like a, a field of fo- floating bones mm. you know like all kinds of you know weird dreamlike objects mm. uh so yeah we're visually describing the style there um and the different uh gameplay elements that uh, make up the game but you're introduced into the game world as a kind of amnesiac character who's discovered by a caravan of wanderers mm. uh in in this uh, sort of, I, I, it's kind of a wasteland, I suppose. Yeah, it's like a, um, it's like if Purgatory wasn't a separate realm, but like uh, maybe like an underworld, mm. like a a literal Hades mm. in a way. This uh, it's called the Downside. Yeah, and it's this kind of uh, blasted, uh, like there's wasteland parts, there's nasty swamps, everything, everything kind of seems like a cosmic joke. To mm-hmm. make things every like not uh, insurmountable and deadly, but just like kind of unpleasant. Yeah. Um, one thing that stuck out at me was um, uh, Blooming Pool, one of the locations you visit early on, which is this hot spring that's uh, the pools are all filled up with sand, so they're just there. The game describes it as the the hot spring is just there to mock you. Uh-huh, okay. And I think there's like another pool nearby where like you hear about how. Uh, the the Kerr scribe uh, Yormund many tales uh, went there because he thought it would soothe his bones, but it just made him really itchy. <laughs> so it's just like in like uncomfortable inconvenience world. Hmm. Yeah, um, a lot of ruins as well. Uh, but ruins, well, you know, basically the the ruins of of a former history, because uh, you do find out that there used to be the oh, i've just forgotten their names the tight the, the titans the titan stars yeah uh, and there there were these titans that that uh, moved across this world in in a devastating fashion in in many cases or they terrorized the denizens of the downside and um they've all been laid low uh by the scribes who we will mention uh but you see the remains of these titans as you explore the world as well, well. that's that's where every rite takes place at yeah. one of the like giant corpses which serves as like a landmark or monument of mm-hmm. one of these 12 titans yeah again really surreal like one of the titans that you see jutting out of the landscape uh was that uh the weird uh horse with a woman's torso attached to it yeah yeah <laughs> which yeah, was uh... i haven't written down the names of all the titans so I, d- I don't remember what that one was called yeah I, I the only name i remember is is uh the the cthulhu-esque kind of like dark god uh Yislach. Mm-hmm. Or something. Um, I remember Sack, uh, Shaq's six shoulders. Oh yes, like that's that. right. Yeah, yeah. He's got six arms. Yeah, um, yeah. Uh, so you you can see the the uh, you can see the ruins of of it's sort of like you're walk, you're walking amidst the ruins of a mythology, yeah. which is uh, which is you know well aside from being cool as a concept, it looks uh, really striking. Hmm. So you're in in the downside. You're discovered by a group of wanderers, um, and you're, I mean, you're kind of amnesiac when they find you, uh, and this is where the game gives you the opportunity to, to you know, sketch out basic things about your character. Uh, you can choose gen- uh, your gender options, and uh, you can have a uh, non-binary gender, which is which is awesome. Um, it eventually comes to to pass that you realize that uh, the wanderers are wait. <laughs> 
Are they? Because okay, they, I haven't uh, I haven't played the beginning part of this game as recently as the rest of it. Um, are they already formed into a team when you find them? They are. Yeah, they are. Right. So, so the uh, you're all exiles, and you find out yeah. that the the downside is you know as I said earlier this mm-hmm. like uh, living purgatory, which is uh, like a life sentence prison that mm-hmm. that this country called the Commonwealth. Yeah, uh, sends uh, sends its lawbreakers to to, it's, to be rid of them. It's it's Australia. Um, <laughs> well, I mean, in in a you know, allegorically, in some ways, it definitely is Australia. It's uh, you, you had the British Commonwealth yeah. sending people far, far away to somewhere they couldn't get back from. You know, and Barnardo's uh, saying uh, like, hey, "Hey, kids, want to go on a, uh, a betterment trip to uh, Australia and and sending all the kids to the prison island?" Yeah. Um, <laughs> Like with uh, with with one of the girls that you meet, mm-hmm. it's not quite <laughs> no, but, but yeah. Uh, so so it it is it's a place of exile. Mm-hmm. Everyone's here has been exiled for various reasons. As you come to see, some of the reasons are um, seemingly more just than others. Some of them seem really quite unjust, and make the Commonwealth seem like a, a like a potentially oppressive place. So. Through your sort of like mild disorientation, you get to learn the details of the world, mm-hmm. and you realize that uh, there are rights that are conducted at these places of power where the titans have fallen uh, by these teams uh, called triumvirates, mm-hmm. because three members go out, go onto the uh, arena at a time to mm-hmm. to compete in the rights. You, you've been found by one of these triumvirates, um, who, uh, Hedwin, who is a uh, like a regular dude, mm-hmm. a nice boy. Yeah. Uh, Rookie, a dog with a mustache mm-hmm. called a cur. Yeah. And then Jodariel, who is this like giant horned woman. Yeah. Who, I guess, if you spend more than a decade in the downside, you start growing and and growing horns, mm-hmm. and, and the the realm starts transforming you into a into a de- demonic human. Yeah. Um, and they um, they are such a triumvirate. Uh, called the Nightwings, mm-hmm. but um, what I found very interesting when you first meet them is uh, looking at the hypertext for the Nightwings. It says, oh, this is a uh, uh, triumvirate who your uh, fellow's identity have... They've assumed their identity. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that said to me, oh, okay, so yeah. are they or aren't they? Uh, yes, indeed. And, you know, were they were there previous Nightwings? Which, mm-hmm. um, you know, which of course is a mystery that we uh, find out more about as the story goes on. Mm-hmm. Uh it uh, soon comes to pass that you learn, well, that you learn that the character you, as the protagonist, play, is uh, is literate, which is rare in this world, uh, it, because it is outlawed in the Commonwealth. Mm. So uh, you're referred to as a reader or the reader, uh, because uh, Triumvirate is uh, guided by by a reader. Are they all guided by a reader? I, I I've forgotten that detail. Um, I think they are. Yeah. So we never see or interact with other readers, but uh, I guess it's understood that every Triumvirate has a reader. Well, um, we we do interact with one reader. Do we later on? Oh, yeah. okay. Yeah, yeah. I forget because some of these characters are right. I think I think I know who you mean. Um, so you generally don't see these readers though, as, as part of the story, yeah. and it's um, a little bit of a missed opportunity. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I feel like they were. It would be difficult for them to do much with that, but mm. it yeah, seem like a slight oversight. Yeah, I I hadn't thought about it in that way. Although on on the one hand, what I really like about the concept of the reader is. You're doing a lot of reading in this game, mm-hmm. and uh, you know the way things are presented to you as text, referring to you as the reader, mm-hmm. makes it feel like 
they're acknowledging the way you're interacting with the game. Mm. You know, it's like, you know, to the bits of the game that feel to me a bit like a visual novel, you know, referring to you as the reader is like, it's like a bit of a meta kind of statement about this is your interaction. Uh, Because you you guide the triumvirate in battle. Again, they've made this sort of like formalized arrangement of how things work. Uh, The reader controlling the triumvirate as like a rationalization for how the game works which uh yeah which is 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 pretty cool because it, it, it made me feel a lot more immersed than than i might have otherwise you're like madden <laughs> yeah <laughs> um, they never really explain what your deal is but they they hint that you are uh infirm and mm-hmm. you're unable to take part in the rights yeah so you you have to be the reader not just because it's your talent but because you're uh, body wouldn't be able to put up with the strain mm-hmm. yeah and whether that means you're elderly or or disabled um it gives you some dialogue choices uh at key points to mm-hmm. kind of flesh that out but it's a very very light touch it's very much up to you as yeah. to how you how you view your avatar yeah it's always unseen yeah again i mean that that sort of like because your presence in the game is kind of disembodied in a way but but you know that 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 feels like a like a good enough hand wave to to cover that and make that seem like it, it all fits yeah i like it so you're conducting these rights uh now the rights have a specific a very key plot point as you go further but to begin with they don't yeah the first leg of the game it's mm. a bit of a pilgrimage so mm-hmm. i think we'll talk like this it's this game it's very much a tour from start to finish um so i think we'll speak about it in slightly broader strokes oh yeah for sure but, uh, yeah. than we would in our previous episodes on bastion and transistor mm-hmm. um but um yeah the first leg of the journey it's basically this pilgrimage across uh across the entire country mm-hmm. uh or whatever the downside is um in this uh in this uh, caravan hmm. um and really your goal is to just you know see where the next rites will take place and go there to um beat the opposing triumvirate and and maybe pick up a friend along the way As you as you make these stops on your journey, you meet these di- these different triumvirates um, who have a bit of a backstory. You you um, you get the sketchiest sort of details at first about the terms of their banishment, but it introduces you to the different races. Uh, there's quite a number of characters, so I'm not going to go into all of them, um, except for the ones that like you know hit key point key plot points in the story that I experienced. Because again, you can have a varied experience. But uh, there are basically um, they end there end up being eight different races which com- comprise the eight major um, member races of the Commonwealth. Mm. Um, also, the uh, eight scribes who mm. were uh, a kind of like an RPG party long, long ago, and you read about them in this book that you have, the Book of the Rites. Um, and each one of the eight scribes is a member of one of these eight races. Mm-hmm. And the races are the curs, who are who are basically intelligent dogs. They're not dog people; they're just dogs, which is like kind of cute, because it's like you know you see a dog 
wearing like, like Rookie, your your triumvirate member. Um, he's got a mustache. A, yeah, he's got a mustache, and he like likes lavish robes and stuff. Yeah, and he's like, but he's also a dog. He's got a he's got like a medallion of a dog bone. Yeah, he's yeah awesome. he does. Yep. Let's talk about that mustache quickly. Uh, yeah. So you get <laughs> you get a um, an early dialogue choice where he asks you what what you think of the mustache, and um, some people say I look a little sleazy. What do you think? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and uh, if you tell him that it doesn't suit him, he shaves it off. <laughs> uh, which uh, I couldn't bring myself to do that. Hell no. Yeah, it's a dog no. with a mustache. He felt he felt redoubled when I told him his mustache looked mm-hmm. good, and he was very very pleased. Yeah, it's like you know, I, you know, I enjoy how flamboyant his character is. I didn't want to like chip away at that, and um, and yeah, as with a lot of the characters, there's something behind the initial facade. You know, he's not just this of like flamboyant, uh, you know, arrogant seeming, rich dog. Um, um, yeah, so we've talked about there's humans, mm-hmm. there's demons, there's curs. Yep, there are uh, the harps. Yeah, the harps, a winged race. They're harpies. Yeah, I think they're all female. Uh, yeah, they appear to be. Uh, they're also actually not members of the Commonwealth. They're, they're not. Yeah, they they they're part of a um, a nation that's been mostly destroyed, but is actually still fighting the Commonwealth back. You know, outside of the downside. Um, there are. Um, Worms, who are yeah. these like uh, sea not, like worms with a Y, but they're not dragons. They're no. like they're like worms with an O. Yeah, they 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 they're they've got like kind of like big round heads on top of a snaky body. Big one, big eye. Yep, and uh, they 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 crawl around super fast. Uh, they mostly live in the ocean, I believe. Mm-hmm. Um, what else have we got? Harps. Uh, we uh... got the bog witches, uh-huh. who yeah. are these kind of uh, slimy. Uh, very old uh, ladies. Yeah, kind of Medusa-like in, yeah. a, in a way, and then the very witchy. Yeah, they refer to themselves with a sort of collective noun when they talk sometimes, and uh, they're they're kind of like obsessed with with forbidden knowledge. Yeah, and um, and very very much about sort of like you know how knowledge is this like kind of absolute absolute power and and uh influence on the world it's mm. like you know they're 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 in some ways quite haughty and dismissive of the dealings of the other races mm-hmm. um and there's uh saps mm-hmm. which are like tree ants uh yeah they're, they're just like tree they're, they're like tree dudes they look like they're made of woods um they have twigs growing out of them i, I quite like the art style uh, you know representation of the saps yeah kind of funny like i i thought it was a little bit weird that like saps and curs it's like both those are both like names it's pretty funny yeah it's like uh windbags and scumbags <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah. That, that, that must be like a theme theme that they like going on because it's both kind of an insult yeah but it's the name of a race so um yeah well, they, they've done that in all three of their games actually. what was the what was it? you know there's there's jerks and oh yeah that's right yeah in transistor mm-hmm. yeah and then finally there's imps mm-hmm. uh the uh Drive imps are these uh, these little little winged. They kind of look like drakies from Dragon Quest. And oh they, yeah, they uh, do. Yeah, they make uh, they make your caravan go. Mm-hmm. They uh, they they're a means of conveyance. Yeah. Nobody knows how they do it, but they do it. And uh, one of your party members, Tizo, is an imp. In fact, you have a party member from each of these races. Yeah, you do. I think the drive imps are not acknowledged as a race back in the Commonwealth. Well, they don't exist yeah. in the Commonwealth. Yeah, they're that's... born in the downside. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Although they're used like carrier pigeons to send messages are, yeah. back. I, I love the uh, messenger imp uh, artwork. Yeah. He's got his little scroll in his mouth. Um, I like all the imp artwork. Yeah, yeah. They're they're... Poking them in the wagon. <laughs> yeah. Waking them up. Hmm. So uh, those are your eight, eight races, and you do end up getting members of all of them in your, in your triumvirate. Um, 
you meet and uh, and gain well, you meet and gain members to your triumvirate as you go on this pilgrimage, mm-hmm. as you're encountering encountering uh, well. Characters aren't missable. These are plot beats. Yep. But um, it's kind of it's implied that basically you're getting a new version of the eight scribes back mm-hmm. together. Yeah. So um, I'm trying to think of, of like the significant people that you meet because like you got you start with Hedwin and Jodariel, then you meet. Well, you uh, have Ruki as well. Yeah, and you have Ruki, uh, and then you meet the moon-touched girl quite soon. Afterwards. You do. Yeah, yeah, she's your next party member. Yeah, and uh, she's exiled. Uh, well, seemingly because she's insane. I mean, the, the word moon-touched it implies like you know older use of terms like lunatic, and she behaves yeah. in this in a strange manner that doesn't quite seem connected to her surroundings in the same way as as you know her compatriots Mm -hmm. she's got this sort of um you know almost like mystical uh spiritual view of things Mm -hmm. uh you know speaks a lot of the scribes appears to be speaking directly to the scribes or hearing voices sometimes well uh, quite frequently you see her talking to her little brother Mm -hmm. and and if you step in at one point she's like oh no no i'm just talking to the wall but i'm calling it my little brother Mm -hmm. so there's something going on there's yeah it's she's not uh she doesn't have the level of i don't want to say level of sanity but like she she's sought she's observed to be undesirable Mm -hmm. uh by the commonwealth because of her uh because of her mental state uh there's an interesting fact about her that i only uh discovered um in through some outside reading uh, what name did you give her? Because you get to give her a name. When, uh... Oh, well. Yeah. I gave her Bay. Oh, you gave her Bay. Okay, right. So I didn't want to have a character called Bay on my team. I thought it would be really funny. <laughs> yeah. Especially because like, if you hover over all of them, yeah. uh, each uh, choice, it gives you some text like, maybe that's her name. Mm-hmm. And then like, when I got down to Bay and it was like, surely it can't be that. Yeah. And I was like, oh, yeah, it's that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, because I think that's actually her name oh uh, is it yeah like, like there is a reference or at some point in the game where um where she is reminded that she used to be known as bloody bay okay i thought maybe that was um because i got that mm. but i thought maybe that was um i i wondered if they did uh variables for every uh, letter of the alphabet no no that that's the only one that gets confirmed okay. so bay is in fact is in fact um, her, her name and Bloody Bay, which implies that um, whatever her past and cause of exile was may may actually be or maybe ascribed to some kind of violence, which is interesting. Yikes! Yeah, I know because she's not. You know, she doesn't appear to be a violent character, and and you know, you wonder if if um, her personality as as it's represented now, if any of that is to do with trauma that she either experienced or is responsible for. You know, it, it adds an interesting depth to the character, I think. Mm-hmm. You know, they're also kind of dark. But, um, yeah. yeah. So I, I thought that was pretty interesting. Um, yeah, so she she joins you. And um, and you get you get a worm on your team as well. I, 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 th- I thought the character Sir of... Sir Gilman. Sir Gilman. Sir Gilman is a cool and fun character. Although he's, he's like... He's a cliche. Yeah, he's, he's a cliche. I still enjoyed, like, you know, like what he was, he's written yeah. and stuff like that. You know, he's a... He's got aspects of characters like Frog yeah. from from Chrono Trigger or Sir Didymus from from Labyrinth. Um, he's um, kind of like a bit of a Don Quixote. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, I, th- I think there's a bit of Don Quixote in, in, in those other like kind of characters. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah, actually, picture he this. He hasn't done anything wrong. He's yeah. just like his commanding officer. Uh, it's not Lowly Worm. That's Richard Scary. It's mm-hmm. Busy Town. Uh, Deluge, Sir Deluge. Yeah. Is his commanding officer who mm-hmm. ran away from. He deserted during times of battle. And uh, Sir Gilman, he didn't do anything wrong, but he was like. If my commanding officer has failed, then I too have failed. Mm-hmm. Cast me down. <laughs> yeah. So he's just like this super noble to a fault worm who's yeah. going to like live out this sentence that isn't isn't his to live out. Uh, I mean, his well, as you'd imagine, the character uh, is obsessed with the idea of honor and and what it means. Yeah. Uh, uh, interesting thing that we didn't you mentioned what he sounds like, and uh, we don't. Whilst you don't have actual english speech for these characters you do get sort of like barks for each sentence that they say yeah which are in you know uh, uh foreign fabricated language i mm. guess for the game world uh so you you get to hear the emotion in the character's performance which is a, a nice touch i, I think, think they've definitely written some words mm. like for example the shopkeep falcon ron oh yeah um, i think it, they've got a very clear word that means thank you mm-hmm. that he'll yeah. say in different intonations when you buy something yep and uh reader uh is uh, liveratus i think yeah seems. that's right so yeah because you hear it often enough when they address you as reader uh, uh so that's interesting um i think you reach a turning point sometime after sir gilman where a new character is introduced like that's quite key uh that's is it the minstrel or sandalwood that you meet first? Or do you meet uh, well, them together? The, the minstrel is with you. Right. He's just sleeping in the carriage. Oh, okay, yeah, that's right. He's not roused until until he gets roused when sandalwood arrives, doesn't he? No, before. Okay. Quite a bit before. Oh. He he uh um he wanders off and he comes back with Tizo. Mm-hmm. And uh he's uh he's awake then and he's he looks a lot like the um he looks in fact he looks exactly like the minstrel from romancing saga minstrel song okay in, in white right. instead of red huh um was that was that minstrel like red all over like even in his face or something <laughs> not in his face okay because because i mean the, the i thought like the distinct thing about uh, this minstrel's design is he's yeah, i mean his skin's white as well yeah yeah uh so yeah the, so the minstrel comes back with tizo and he starts talking about sandalwood mm-hmm. who is uh a, a an unmet but uh guiding informant mm-hmm. of uh this version of the nightwings mm-hmm. who is uh basically kind of before you came along he was reading from a distance yeah and uh sending notes to uh the nightwings on what to do and what paths to take mm-hmm. um <clears throat> so you end up uh, you end up meeting sandalwood uh, and uh, one thing I really appreciated about that encounter... Well, he he's played as quite a mysterious influence for a while, so I wasn't sure if I was going to meet him in the beginning mm. part of the game. Uh, when you do actually meet him, uh, my, one of my favorite parts of, about that encounter is that he's the only person who speaks English to you at one point. He does, yeah. just once. Yeah, when, when you're reading the text and you're hearing these things, and then he he, he addresses you directly as as the reader, which I found like quite a spooky moment. But uh, It is a spooky moment. Yeah. Um, we've completely passed over the voice. We should be talking about the voice. Oh, gosh, right, yeah. Well, because the voice does speak English to you. Uh, that's that's and, right, And yes. addresses you. Yeah, I know, absolutely. right. Yeah. It's this kind of godlike figure mm-hmm. who... Uh, asks you the reader to make your selections for who will take part in these rights mm-hmm. and kind of he, he's kind of like uh god as well as like a sports commentator yeah so he'll like comment yep. he'll comment on like each play that happens and it's like oh the, the pyre hearts have scored a goal mm-hmm. um, and he speaks in a very haughty overwrought aristocratic fashion it's very campy yeah which which uh you know which 
could be obnoxious to some people. I really enjoyed it. I, I thought it was it was quite a lot of fun. Um, also voiced by um, the uh, narrator, um, well, the narrator in some fa- fashion for all Supergiant games, uh, Logan Cunningham. Is it him? It is him. Oh my god! It's That's, amazing. That man has got crazy range. <laughs> he really. I was does, thinking like he? I was thinking this guy is great, but like it's peculiar that Logan Cunningham isn't back. No, and boy, if I had just looked, I yeah. would have seen. That's fantastic. Uh, yeah, yeah, he's he can really you know like he can do magic with his he voice. He rolls his arms <laughs> yeah. in a way that I cannot. Yeah. Um, so yeah, he's like you know he's this annoying nasally um, uh, haughty um, aristocrat sounding bloke who again if you find him annoying he's he's kind of supposed to be I guess you uh, was, he's a real shit yeah I guess you were saying that it really wore on you when you were losing a lot <laughs> yeah. yeah I did I mean you you you. You reach a point in the game later where he really wants you to lose, and he says it all the time. Yeah, so. he he stops being a um, a neutral um, referee, hmm. uh, and there's a turning point in this game where he is just completely. He's like, "Well, it's you. I should hope that you lose." <laughs> yeah. And um, especially like some of the final battles mm-hmm. before I turn the difficulty down, casual boy. Mm-hmm. Um, I like. Other team, the other triumvirates were just like running circles around me and like dashing into my goal and uh, destroying my pyre, and then just like each time it would like go down by like forty points, and he'd just laugh, and I was just like, "Oh, you!" T- <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like I, this is the first time that I've cursed up a storm in a game in a really, really long time. Wow. Okay. And, like not even Dark Souls makes me curse like a sailor, but mm-hmm. um, this uh, I, I think I haven't gotten this head up since um, a terrible final boss at the end of Metal Gear Rising. Mm. Oh god, you the one that it doesn't tell you what you need to do mm. and you figure it out after dying a whole bunch. Yeah. Yeah. Oh man. Yeah, that that's a bad memory to to yeah. bring back actually. So that <laughs> was just I was I I was thinking that must have been the last time I was this angry. Mm-hmm. So uh Um but before we get to to how we experience the ending. Uh yes, yeah, so you meet Sandalwood uh, eventually and uh you learn of the plan through Sandalwood. Mm. Um no, I didn't know if we could trust Sandalwood at first. No, me neither. He's this mysterious uh, informant who, uh, you know, he reveals that he is uh, a reader like you. And he tries to hustle you off. Mm. He, he basically, you know, he says, look, I'm the reader now. You can just go away. Um, and he's, you know, he's he's very mysterious. He doesn't show all his cards on the table. And I thought, like, well, what's this guy's agenda? Can we trust him? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, Borscht, indeed. Oh, wow. Um <laughs> But when he reveals his plan, that's when I started to think, okay, actually, maybe he's on a level. Mm-hmm. So uh, I think you want to talk a little bit about what the plan is? Uh, right. Well, as, uh, as it's sort of like hinted at so before, uh, the Commonwealth isn't, you know, isn't that great a place, at least you know, compared to what it may have started out with, with the best intentions. It's you know, built on these, these different races coming together, and uh, you know, uh, it prospered in some way over time. Uh, there is an ongoing war that we we uh, that's kind of hinted at. Well, it's actually explained where there's constant bloodshed. Uh, they try, like I said, they tried to wipe out the. Is it a sort of ethnic cleansing they conducted against the harps? Or I think so. Yeah. Yeah. So the harps are what remain are constant high wing remnants. Yes, yeah. they're constantly assaulting um, assaulting assaulting the edge the border of the commonwealth which is known as the blood border because of the the ceaseless conflict that takes place there and people are just you know called up and sent to fight um on the blood border again you know probably an allegory for real world conflict mm. in some ways the um, wall. Mm-hmm. and uh 
The wall in Bastion, not Trump's wall. Oh yeah, yeah, of course, yeah, yeah. yeah. Or or in Game of Thrones either. Um, so the the you know you you learn also from the terms of banishment that some people suffer that like you know they're very oppressive um uh restrictions on people in the commonwealth uh you know oh. well for a start the 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 control of literacy mm-hmm. uh, that's a pretty big deal uh and like practice of certain religions um like you know lots of like kind of strict rules uh anyway what it comes down to is that um this dissatisfaction and the amount of people cast into exile oh. uh is uh means that people like sandalwood uh, want to stage a revolution in the Commonwealth. Sandalwood, he was a professor, and he got cast down because he had a printing press, mm-hmm. and he was uh, trying to open minds that, hey, what the way the Commonwealth is is ruled, maybe it's not the freest uh, and nicest place, mm-hmm. and uh, yeah. so he was exiled uh, for his troubles. Yeah. So, it um, well, it is made clear that. Uh, well, the the plan is still kind of... He's pretty vague on the plan, plan to begin with, isn't he? Because I... His, his plan is to uh, cause revolution through nonviolent means. Yeah. And yeah. he wants uh, you to send some night wings free mm-hmm. so they can act as uh, agents of discord on in the Commonwealth mm-hmm. while receiving orders through him and his messenger imps. And he'll, you know, pull everything together as his grand strategist. I uh, remember it came as a surprise when you realized that uh, you, that uh, members of the triumvirates could actually be freed, mm-hmm. which uh, which you you find out a, a bit after his uh, Sandalwood's introduction, where basically at certain times when the stars are in the correct position, um, special rites called liberation rites take place. At the, uh, the fall of Solemn is that mm-hmm. it? Solemn? Uh, yeah, it is. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Near the this... uh, what's the gate called? Scribe the scribe. The scribe gate, perhaps. So. Yeah, it's just the scribe yeah. gate. It's um, like this big kind of. It's almost like the gates of the Vatican or something. Mm-hmm. This holy, holy mountain where uh, once a uh, liberation rite is conducted there, a shimmer pool opens mm-hmm. to uh, send uh, the chosen uh, triumvirate home. Yeah, yeah. The anointed of each team uh, gets sent through back to because there's no way uh, for. I mean, the, you can you can pass goods. And messages somehow between the Commonwealth and the downside, but beyond that, uh, they are impossible to traverse. Mm-hmm. It's not really made super clear. I think well, you know why? Whether they they, no. they 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 seem to be like physically separated, um, uh, you know, almost like like they're they're. I mean, not like different planets, but uh, you know, I, I think it's it's sort of like as a metaphor, it works. It's just mm. you know that that's never made. It's just it's, it's introversible. I kind of got the impression that like. Because they say it's at the bottom of a river, and mm-hmm. like I kind of got the impression that like it's at the bottom of a very very steep waterfall. Mm-hmm. So like maybe you could send cargo over, but there's no way to get back up unless this cosmic event happens. But uh, there, there are other parts of the story that suggest that cargo is sent back and forth, though. Oh yeah. So I'm yeah, yeah I'm I'm not yeah I'm, I'm not completely clear on that whether you know there could it's be unclear. some yeah there's some magic there could be some magical force involved i, I think it you know it's a deliberate uh, it's a deliberately vague but impenetrable barrier um so i also i guess just by either me being a, a skeptic or the fact that super giants games tend to have unreliable narrators mm. um i initially thought that maybe maybe this wasn't entirely true either hmm. um, because they call the return going up the river yeah which made me think of you know going to the country i i absolutely thought that myself i also um was reminded of you know i think you know the whole 70s vibe this game gave me mm. reminded me of a of a 70s sci-fi movie 
uh, Logan's Run. Oh, you right. remember that? Yeah. And uh, how in Logan's Run, uh, people reach a certain age and uh, are you know have to be killed when you reach the age of 30 and the only way to possibly circumvent this was to, was to take part in a ritual uh called uh, carousel where people would fly mm. through the air and um hopefully some of them got renewed but otherwise they all got like burned up or exploded or something <laughs> uh and uh yeah that weird kind of like you know ritual with the possibility of of escape uh from a permanent fate seemed like you know similar so yeah i i, I was i had the same kind of feeling yeah hmm. so i mean it's from what everything we learn about the commonwealth from everything that's going on around and how they're casting people into exile and mm. they have these uh laws um you know i was first thinking is it worth returning to but i was also wondering if the rights were a return or just like a glorified execution yeah absolutely that that you know everything about the rights uh everything about all the practices are just another means of control for everyone yeah. um it turns out that they're not purely that, but no, um, yeah, uh, and people are liberated, which is which is really interesting. Uh, but that introduced an interesting mechanical wrinkle to the way you played the game, because uh, you're conducting these rights, the the non you know the other non liberation rights, uh, and the liberation rights to level up your characters as well. They improve and gain like you know perks and abilities, uh, but. Then you you know you decide that the, whether you're going to basically not see them for the rest of the game. But you also find out the true nature of the Nightwings and mm. that they, all of the triumvirates are vying, right? Mm -hmm. But the the Nightwings are always who uh, a high-ranking team goes up against for mm -hmm. the liberation right. The, yeah. the Nightwings were formed by the Scribes as a um, as not quite a villain but an adversary for, yeah. to for. Uh, the worthy to overcome yeah so you will always take part in the rights but uh the other teams they're all kind of vying for standing mm. with each other which which you know creates an interesting dynamic i mean they're actually referred to as the triumvirate against which all others are measured hmm. and uh so you don't quite feel like these uh you know righteous heroes as you would in like you know another fantasy game where you're no. rising to prominence you're, you're not just another triumvirate yeah um, but you are privy to the same rules that they are mm -hmm, of sending, you are. sending your anointed home. And uh, the more rights you conduct against uh, different triumvirates, the more you learn about their members. Um, and uh, some of them can be pretty sympathetic as well, which is, you know, where, where again, that makes it a lot more interesting and complicated. Because there's the Fates, yeah. for example, yeah. uh, who are uh, Dagbert Oldheart, mm -hmm. who is this old cur and his adopted son. Yeah. Uh, who's a human yeah yeah <laughs> which is which is a cool kind of like this old dog and his his like human son and his son is very very wary and aggressive towards you but dagbert Oldheart is he's just like the nicest man and mm. he, like believes in the good in everybody he gives yeah. you a talisman at one point yeah um he's yeah he's just kind he wants the best for his team and his son and for everybody yeah he's he's like a, obviously a very good like tempering in influence on his son so his son will like lash out and then he'll like you know kind of get him to quiet him down or something yeah uh and uh in an example of uh i mean i quite like the dynamic of interacting with that team uh bay as you as you call her uh will uh you know form quite a connection with uh dagbert's son yeah yeah and uh and uh you know they they interact and it's it's funny because she sees some some kinship and some something that she attaches to in him 
uh, he's kind of bewildered because he's an angry young man and and doesn't see why anyone would like you know like what do you want with me kind of thing. Well, they're um, both they're both of the savage mm-hmm. group of savages, aren't they? Uh, yeah. Although I think that savages also is the term for most of the human exiles. I I thought. Uh, I don't think Hedwin is a savage. Is he not? Okay. No. Oh right, yeah. No, he he's a former soldier. Yeah. that's right. Yeah. Uh, I mean, from the one I understood, like, kind of like a tribal. There is there is that. Although from what I understood, but the term savage is used. For specific tribes, but also in a general sense, uh-huh. to like you know just describe anyone who's undesirable and unruly in a way that you know that they should be cast out of the Commonwealth. So, right. yeah, but, yeah, but I can yeah. see that there's a kind of a a uh, illustrative motif that connects Bay and Dagbert's son. Oh name, yeah, I can't remember. Like they're they're they kind of tribal hallmarks and kind of nature naturey. Uh, touches to their designs. Yeah, the, Bay has a. Um, she always has this sort of like a these bound up uh, twigs, like in a tied into a sort of circular pattern that she carries around. I think her. it's a it's a pentagram. Borscht, don't step up. No, Borscht, come on. All right, all right. There we go. Okay. Uh, you almost turned off our uh, recording. Uh-huh. Uh, it's a pentagram, and she calls it's like a dream catcher. She calls it a scribe catcher. Oh, okay, right. Yeah, yeah I'd forgotten that bit. And she's got twigs sticking out of her hair too. Uh, she does. Yeah. Um, so, uh, yeah, so she forms a bond with Olmer, old, old heart, uh, Dagbert's yeah, son. Insane. Yeah. Uh, and, and that's just one of the inter- interesting in- interactions you have, because if you do, if you do well and you keep defeating this team, they're going to go down in the ranks. They don't get their chance for liberation and, uh, you know, things go poorly for them. And, you know, so I, I, I felt very connected to some of these decisions that you end up making. Yeah. Uh, like for instance uh i was pretty set um on playing against the harps mm-hmm. um and uh defeating them because uh pamitha the harp on your team and um tamitha her sister who's on the opposing team they've got a long-standing like like kind of rivalry for some reason that slowly unfolds over mm-hmm. the course of the game and um it didn't seem like something that they could necessarily bond, you know fix through bonding mm-hmm. and so i was thinking okay well you know this is their personal drama. Sending one of them away isn't going to change anything necessarily. So if I if if I just defeat them and they both stay in the downside, then maybe that's something. But then an event and a bit of a like a conversation exchange with Pamitha before the liberation right against her sister made me feel like okay, absolutely um, want her sister to yeah. to return from exile. As a reader, you can read people's thoughts mm-hmm. and, and Pamitha is making this this plea inside of her own head mm-hmm. saying like if you can read this, please just let her win. Yeah. Let her out so I can have some penance for um Pamitha's a fucking snitch. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> they were both soldiers in the in the high wing mm-hmm. uh, remnants and Pamitha ended up ratting out her her sister. Yeah. And and she regrets it. It's like yeah. you know she's just like you know made of regret now. And uh, you know I, I yeah you you have the sympathy for the fact that she's generally ge- genuinely deeply remorseful. Yeah. Um. So, and, and uh, you know seeing how how happy uh, Pamitha was after that made me feel like I made a really good choice there. Hmm. Um, but before you get into any of these rights against the other teams, the very, very first liberation right you take part in is against this group of demons called the Tempers. Oh, yes. With, um, I forgot to write down this guy's name, too. He's is got it like Ignarius? A, maybe. Yeah. It's... He's got a big old Elvis hairstyle. He's yeah. got a big pompadour. Mm. He's uh, got a giant chin. Yeah. He's like a demonic Johnny Bravo, really. <laughs> he is, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, and he's... You know, he's saying to Jodario, hey, baby, you should uh, come with me, Mm. but uh, I'm getting out of here. Um, Now, when I first got to this first liberation rite, 
I only had the only people who I could set free were Hedwin and Jadariel. Mm-hmm. And both of them before the right were very, very clear that neither of them were ready to go home. Yeah. So um, I selected Hedwin, but I ended up throwing this match. Hmm, okay. Uh, and uh, this this demon of the tempers, he ended up going home. Okay, whoa. That's um, that's interesting, because I, I, I really... I'd like to hear what happened with you. Yeah, I uh, he never went home in, uh-huh. in my match. I... I, um... I sacrificed that trophy <laughs> of uh, beating each of the teams. Yeah. Um... Yeah, that's right. Yeah, because I, I I've beaten every team, but I I kind of strategically let let teams win. Hmm. Uh, I, I was somewhat like trying to guide what I thought the story might be, even though you know, I didn't really uh, you know really really know. Um, so so what did you do in that uh, first liberation? I I liberated Tizo. Okay. Yeah, because yeah. I thought like you know this is like you know he's he's like this sort of downtrodden you know viewed in a kind of subhuman way. Uh, you know, deserves recognition. He's so cheery and cute. It's like he was the first person I gravitated to. Hedwin and Jadariel also appeared to have a very close personal bond. Uh, yeah, yeah, not Hedwin, not a romantic one necessarily, but Hedwin just... was a child orphan. Yeah, and Jadariel, uh, as a, a grown soldier, took Hedwin under her wing, mm-hmm. and then she was exiled. And then, you know, sixteen years later, Hedwin is grown up at like age twenty, and mm-hmm. he becomes exiled as well. So he's reunited with like this. Like not quite mother figure, but kind of like older sister slash mentor. Yeah. So they they are they want to be mm. rolling together. Yeah. So so I didn't. I thought like there's no way I want to se- separate these. But I mean, also you know, in, in terms of the story, I was interested in seeing their rapport over the course of the game. So I I, I kind of like I kept them r- around for a while. I sent Tizo home in my second right, and I felt incredible guilt at doing so. Okay. Because I mean, first of all, um, you know, I wasn't sure whether whether the rights truly were liberation, but also. Um, the imps are born in the downside. Mm-hmm. So Tizo, he he wasn't exiled. He he, I'm you know I was sending him away to a world that he had nothing to do with. I never thought uh, about uh, about it that way. And, and I yeah. felt like, oh, he's going to be the only one of his kind. He's going to yeah. be terribly shunned. It's going to be awful. But mm-hmm. then you know you get this you get this uh, uh, message from the carrier the the courier imp who tells you that like yeah at first he was shunned but then he linked up with. Sandalwood secret agents mm-hmm. and uh, found a little home there and was yeah. uh, enacting the plan. But um, plus, the food's nicer in the Commonwealth. Yeah. I think that's made that's made kind of clear. <laughs> the food's and, really really bad. Yeah, the, yeah. Downside. There's no good food in, like in the cre- cream of sand. <laughs> yeah. So, um, but I sent this demon yeah. home, mm-hmm. uh, and I really really liked his story mm-hmm. um, because they don't have demons in the Commonwealth. Mm-hmm. Um, but like, eventually, when you're out of the downside, like after a year or so, your demonic traits start to disappear. Okay. Um, but uh, because he just come back as a demon, they're like, oh well, we can't really put you in like a cushy job because you're going to freak people out so basically like they open up like the devonshire arms Mm -hmm. and he becomes like the grumpy like uh scary landlord and they're like pretending it's a costume (laughs) (laughs) so he just becomes like this this uh uh uh, freaky looking pub landlord who everybody comes to see and Mm -hmm. grows to love the the devonshire arms for our non-london or non-uk listeners is a uh is an old, uh, well, now sort of a metal pub, previously like a bit of a goth slash metal pub. It's owned by like the Hobgoblin now, right? Yeah, it they is. They do yeah. like the yeah. spooky pubs. I think they're actually called spooky pubs, mm-hmm. right? With like yeah. coffins for tables. Was that, no, that was the Eerie Pubs. Eerie Pubs? Is that it? They were, well, there was the Eerie Pub chain. Yeah. I don't know if this is, yeah. Maybe I think they got bought by one of those, but maybe I'm wrong. Uh, yeah, they, they, they might they might have done. Um uh, but yeah, it used to be like a like a. Uh, it was goth as hell. Yeah, it was, and and all of the uh, 
the uh, like landlord the landlord was like you know a fully like kind of like full-time goth dude with loads of makeup <laughs> and really grumpy yeah um, they were yeah. all really grumpy there yeah i mean you know i i was stealing their toilet paper at one point so yeah um yeah you know i didn't have so much money and and uh you get I, your beer and they draw a pentagram in the phone <laughs> yeah God, what a place <laughs> yeah really I mean, i've kind of like you know interesting memories from that time yeah uh anyway yeah so uh that, that's a cool story i i yeah he never returned to the commonwealth in in my playthrough mm. and um i i did like you know i didn't well i didn't think it was like it wasn't like a, a happy tale of, of how mm. things went for him you know he obviously had this affection for jadariel that uh i mean well what they they hook up at one point later on actually if they if, okay if, they did yeah. in your playthrough yeah they, they did. did in mine as well oh uh, okay all right yeah even just in that one encounter, then? Cause, uh, how, I, had you fought them? How many times did you play against them? They went away, but um, w my epilogue for, Jodor for Jodariel, mm. I, I liberated her. Okay. And uh, they hook up and move in together. Okay. All right. Huh. Yeah, because he, he, he basically he retires from the rights before they end. Mm -hmm. Um well, he kind of like you know, with with good timing though, because they end like almost immediately afterwards, and he he just goes like, oh, I'm just gonna like you know have this life of drinking and ladies, <laughs> um, you know, which is kind of like you know, it's just the archetype of of you know his appearance in some way, and uh, you know he wistfully remembers Jodariel occasionally, c curly horns he calls her. Um, yeah, mine was pretty funny um, with Jodariel liberated. She's like, oh god, this guy, and <laughs> and it was saying that like she. Uh, never admitted enjoying his company and uh always rolled their eyes at him but then they you know ended up settling down together and getting mm. a house <laughs> yeah that's so, uh, that, that that's yeah a lot of here. these stories yeah because i've i've uh i did definitely have certain kind of character pairings in mind when i would liberate uh, would liberate certain characters mm. so i didn't expect that at all hmm? yeah uh yeah i wasn't sure i mean like like i i sort of felt like okay i wanted hedwin and jodariel to both you know be together at some point just because they have those familial kind of bonds mm. but um yeah well, with that first uh right mm. uh out of the way uh we're at the hour mark and the halfway point of the game let's take a quick break yeah let's and, do that uh, we'll be back Okay, we're back, and we're on to the second half of Pyre. Mm -hmm. So, where were we? This is where the game kind of opens up, mm -hmm. and after this first write, um, Sandalwood uh, modifies your caravan, so it takes to the skies. Mm -hmm. And whereas before you were following a set route to uh, assemble your party and meet uh, meet all the opposing teams... Here you're given, uh, you're usually given a range of maybe two or three, sometimes even four teams who you want to pursue a ride against. And uh, not initially, but like a, a while into the cycle of rights, you get access to his planner, which shows you where on the rankings different teams are, which gives you an idea of like, okay, well, if I d defeat them, they're going to descend in the rankings. Uh, so if you think about who you want to compete against <clears throat> in the actual liberation rights, you can kind of like, uh, you know, pick a path by choosing who you want to you want to play against. Um, it also shows your percentage chance of uh, succeeding at revolution, which uh, uh, which also depends on the experience and uh, well who you choose to send back, send back for the rights. 
well. Um, this is when the Titan stars start appearing as well, mm-hmm. which uh, serve the same function as the God Shrine and Bastion or the Limiters in Transistor. Mm-hmm. They uh, give um, big uh, challenge, uh, uh, big AI challenges, uh, or what am I saying? Uh, they, uh, they increase the difficulty at the trade-off of giving you more enlightenment or experience points. Yeah, so you can level up, you can rank up faster, but uh, it, you know, you make a sacrifice, like say, oh, your opponent's pyre has more health, or yours has less health, and you can stack these to get loads of experience, but you know, at the cost of making things very harder. And as you proceed, more and more of these start to take shape. Each of them corresponds to one of these dead gods, that one of the dead titans that you've seen as one of the twelve. Uh, 12 points uh and this ties into the narrative that um with each uh with each round i mean for for the for the sake of of brevity and just speeding things along there's less and less time between each liberation right Mm -hmm. to push the game forward and they justify this by saying that um the cycle is changing and becoming faster because more and more stars are being usurped Mm -hmm. by titan stars which bodes uh bodes an evil omen Mm mm-hmm um, in, ter- in gameplay, t- gameplay terms, I found it uh, quite a, a useful way to tune the game's difficulty. Uh, because uh, to begin with, I thought the game was really easy on standard difficulty. And then once... It you- is for a while. Yeah. yeah. And then once you get further in, it can be really challenging depending on who you're playing with and who you're playing against. Uh, and uh, my preferred way of playing a lot of the game was to turn the difficulty down to the easier mode, but then use the Titan Stars to uh, make it harder and like fine-tune that to my to what I was comfortable with and still mm-hmm. felt like I got a challenge from. Uh, I really appreciated that, you yeah. know, and uh, I thought it made the the matches a bit more interesting. While it's not like kind of being a like you know super hard challenge by just having lots of them mm-hmm. activated. Uh, so, uh, yeah, one of the things you also acquire, um, does it come with Sandalwood, the Beyond the Crystal? Uh, I want to say you get that before him. We okay. should have talked about that earlier. I think uh, the Minstrel and Tizo brings the Beyonder Crystal. Mm-hmm. Who uh, th- There was this uh, triumvirate who don't exist anymore called the Beyonders, mm-hmm. who were uh, kind of like a secret order of assassins. Yeah. And they are governed by Asandra the Unseeing, who mm-hmm. is this thousand-year-old beautiful blind lady. Mm-hmm. Uh, and she's not very happy to be trapped in this crystal. She speaks to you very sarcastically, but yeah. also is willing to function as something of a spirit mentor for you. Mm-hmm. Uh, and at various points in the uh, in the storyline, you can uh, you can you can call up members for these trials that take place uh, within the Beyond the Crystal, where your your members can can gain you know special custom artifacts mm-hmm. by uh, facing challenges, which are usually one uh, well where one member of your triumvirate uh, plays against a whole team with special restrictions in some cases. It's always stacked in your favor, like uh, to offset the fact that it's one versus three. Uh, your pyre always has a hundred points, and theirs always has fifty. Mm-hmm. Sometimes 70, I think. But uh, each of the uh, trials is custom-tuned to uh, the chosen character's strength. Yeah. Don't you sometimes... I remember at least in one of them you got a special power of some sort uh, for one of one of your characters while doing the, tri- the, tri- uh, the trial. I don't remember. Oh, it was I'm not sure about that. Quite a long time ago. Um, uh, 
But uh, yes, you end up getting, in any case, you end up getting these uh, talismans that definitely give you special abilities, like uh, really significant ones as well, like uh, making a specific character leap like twice as far, which is a big deal if you're diving into a pyre. there's there's a uh, a slightly creepy uh, element of backstory to the the um, these kind of practice trials you can fight in the Beyond the Crystal is um, well that you you fight against Sandra and other these other sort of like you know just generic uh, triumvirate members but uh, as it happens the generic triumvirate members you're fighting are the banished souls. Uh, so uh, that's kind of creepy. Um, Isn't it just the banished souls of the Beyonders? It is the banished souls of the Beyonders, yeah, but they're still like been sealed in there. Yeah, so it's like the idea that there are all of these souls that are just like you know, like have to fight forever. Uh, I think you 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 have this interesting. I mean, I really like the character of Sandra because she's quite antagonistic. She has a role that she has to play, mm. but uh, even though she sort of hates you, she appreciates the fact that you're like the only real company she's had in like, you know, literally like what feels like an eternity. Yeah. So I don't know if I read that she hated you, but well, she's, she's mean and she's sarcastic. mean and she's pissed off. Yeah. But I always saw her as, um, as a friend. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I guess it becomes apparent that you've got this sort of like slightly antagonistic toned friendship. Yeah. Uh, and uh, she's definitely like harsh to everyone she deals with. Uh, it's fun to see the way she addresses the different uh, um, triumvirate members you present her in the trials. Yeah. And like they'll either like kind of be you know haughty at her, or or that even if they're like even if they're polite or obsequious to her, she'll still be nasty yeah. in some <laughs> yeah. cases. Which is which is you know she, yeah she's a she's a fun character. Yeah. Um. So we you know you you're you're working your way through these these liberation trials they like you say they're getting faster and faster but you also keep getting news from the commonwealth mm. about uh, the results of uh, well how things are going with the people who've been liberated yeah. and this includes people who've been liberated um that aren't from your your uh, triumvirate That's right. Yeah. Which again it, it it you know I feel it really fleshes out which I feel really fleshes out uh, the world. Um and as I said, you start to make decisions about who you'd like to to see liberated sometimes, and sometimes those are, are people on opposing triumvirates. I mean, there are some triumvirates which just felt kind of like all out bad to me. Like, um, there's bad, and then there's like not exactly bad, but hmm. yeah. I, but sorry, go ahead. Yeah, yeah. I mean, well, some of them you you think like, oh, they seem bad, but maybe there's another dimension to them. You know. Uh, I guess like some like like um like the Pyrehouts that the Worm Triumvirate. Uh-huh. It's like you know that guy's a coward, but you can see his reason for wanting to be a coward, even though he was like very like you know he was kind of unethical and how his cowardice affected his his like compatriots. Well, yeah. you, you with the Pyrehouts in particular, you find out that the Sea Dominions Worms they were seen as expendable by the Commonwealth, so yeah. they were sent out literally to die. Yeah. And he thought, well, fuck this, everybody's dead. Mm. I'm not going to stay here and die, so I'm going to run away. Yeah, so yeah. I, I, when I learned that, I had like you know way more sympathy for him. Yeah. But, but he wasn't first on my list to, to allow to be liberated no. by any means. Um, you know, and, and others like uh, like I said before, the the um, well, like we we mentioned fate earlier. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, I like Barker's crew. Yeah, yeah. Well, they're just they're kind of anarchists, really, yeah. aren't they? As, well, I mean, they they look like anarchists in the sense as well that they they're like punks. Yeah, they're like they're like eighties like RoboCop punks. <laughs> yeah, as, as dogs. Yeah, yeah. They've got mohawks. And... They're Streets of Rage villains in Dog World. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They've got like lots of piercings yeah. and spiky hairs and spiky collars, spiky dog collars. Yeah, because they're dogs. 
Um, they've, got, they've got history with Rookie. Rookie's in debt to Barker. Yeah. Uh, and um, I got him to call off the debt at mm-hmm. one point by having so Rookie, uh, Rookie settle things settle things in the ring with him. Yeah. Um, they, they get that great, like, kind of um, guitar riff whenever they appear on screen yeah. as well, which which I really enjoyed. Um, so, yeah, they're, they're, I, I, I never liberated them because it didn't seem like they cared that much. They didn't really care. In yeah. fact, like, when I went up against them in the rights, they, uh, like, I had Rookie go up against them and Rookie went free. And I think they were pretty happy with that. Yeah. So they were like, yeah, yeah you know, we don't care. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you, I guess you probably got the same epilogue for them as I did. Mm-hmm. where Like, they... Uh, the rights aren't happening anymore, so they basically just like invent a ball game based on the rights. Yeah, that's like, right. Yeah, start like their own league, mm-hmm. uh, which seemed like a kind of a happy ending for yeah, them. Yeah. I felt like so. So I like uh, those guys a lot. Yeah, yeah. I was glad that they they, ha- they have this sort of like you know they're in the moment and that's kind of their thing. And and yeah, even you know it means that they're a bit mean sometimes. But aside from that, I've you know more sympathy for them than I had for what's that right that's headed the the triumvirate headed by the liar um oh the accusers yeah Lendl the liar he's yeah a, he's like a crooked cop yeah yeah he's a piece of shit yep really yeah um or um chastity they're yeah. another they're another bunch of assholes H Manly yeah uh, pompous H- pompous sap yeah yeah h mandy tinderstoff yeah yeah, who's like this yeah really really pompous tree man who's uh you know he's still leveraging his wealth even in the downside and and they're all like you know just like overprivileged rich people uh really so so yeah so he's he's there because he tried to bribe the wrong person Mm -hmm. uh lendell is there uh because he is He's a cop who used his position of power to uh, frame somebody he didn't like and have them exiled, but uh, it all came out that it was a frame job after mm-hmm. the fact, and he ended up getting exiled as well. Yeah. Uh, just to take, take a moment without actually describing these characters, um, again, compared to the other Supergiant games, which are very spare in their use of character and character interaction, um, like Transistor, which had like you know characters that you didn't really interact with in a conventional way, apart from the major antagonists, uh, this is a game that's like you know rich with meeting and uh, you know having conversations with people. Not necessarily like kind of like multiple dialogue trees all the time, but in a way where you know there's significance to you coming up against someone. Even when you're flying around the map, you can bump into someone else's like mm. kind of flying caravan, and they'll have a few things to say to you, <laughs> like indicative of their character. That's fun. I like that. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I just like you know, I, I I got a lot of enjoyment and immersion from from the writing mm-hmm. and and the characterizations in this game. Like you know, the fact that we remember these people, some of their names. Uh, it took a while, I think, for for all of that that and the setting to click. But once it mm-hmm. did, it, it felt like a familiar and and fun place to explore. Mm-hmm. Uh, so well, I like the withdrawn a lot. Oh yeah. The yeah. Uh, kind of uh, Innsmouth style cult mm-hmm. of the Bog Witch uh, Udnilda. Yeah. Yeah, who, uh, they worship Islock, this mm-hmm. uh, Cthulhu figure. Yeah, and they want to to bring him back, and like I, I did not let her out. And thinking about that now, I'm like, maybe I should have. Yeah, like, maybe that could have been fun. They they did talk about basically, you know, that they, they had a. I mean, they even had a philosophy uh, as a group because they, they were all about forbidden knowledge and acquiring more knowledge, mm-hmm. and they had this kind of. Um, 
you know like science is law sort of like approach to things where you know discovering and learning more should be the reason for existing and everything else you know is is kind of just like a, in the way of that which you know has plenty of room for going wrong and causing oppression but they're but, uh, they're heretics as well because mm. uh the uh bog witch of the scribes uh milta they uh she's the one who destroyed islak yeah so uh this is like this like kind of like satanic cult Mm -hmm. that is you know like built off the back of the religion but worshiping like the the opposing antagonist figure yeah so um they're they're seen to be uh they're seen to be bad by Mm -hmm. everybody you've got your own bog witch in the form of big bertrude (laughs) yeah uh, who's uh who's an alchemist Mm -hmm. uh uh and she like there's a there's a big face-off between big bertrude and and the withdrawn Mm -hmm. where um either islak gets its gets its power back or not or well uh udmilda will get power from uh believing in in islak or you will just erase uh any belief from her depending on how the match goes i think what happened with me i could be wrong but i'm pretty sure that i only fought the withdrawn once okay and i didn't fight them again after i got big bertrude mm. so i never saw that part of the okay. story yeah it's interesting big bertrude yeah. had a had a matchup where depending on who won like if udmilda won um bertrude was weakened permanently and if bertrude won she is uh she gains power and uh udmilda's weakened permanently i i uh in gameplay terms i loved using big bertrude she was She's awesome, awesome. Yeah. yeah she was really an mvp at the end for me yeah when, when, as soon as you get her power to shoot through solid objects yeah. that's yeah i mean I, I don't know if you got that but that's, i did that's amazing it's she's like she's got a, a massive range that spreads out like a spread gun yeah and just zooms around like a snake mm-hmm. she's fantastic yeah um, I, I also really like the bit where um, she uh, acts like Hedwin is hitting on her. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's, and she talks about how desirable she was among yeah. her kind, which is, which is awesome. Um, so, uh, yeah, you're, do- you're, you're doing his rights. And um, um, you find out about uh, the fate of the original Nightwings. Mm. And uh, you discover this because um, Sandalwood, who was mm. uh, like formerly formerly one of these original nightwings uh encounters one of the triumvirate mem- members that he previously thought dead mm. Oralak. yes um who is a demon um so that's former human and he's you know he's got a vendetta for for um for sandalwood because he was going to return and uh, was somehow denied mm. well uh an, an interesting thing which isn't like you know given to you that straightforward because i think i remember getting it mostly from where did i like i didn't get it from dialogue and, and characters but you find out that one of the uh, triumvirate members of the nightwings is the is who is now the voice that's right yeah that's, uh, brighton. Uh, brighton who yeah. was uh he i believe he was a reader he was sandalwood's predecessor mm-hmm. when he was liberated uh, Sandalwood became his replacement mm-hmm. in in the Nightwings, and finding out that he rose to the ranks of Archjustice Andrables the Ninth mm-hmm. uh, to be this presiding voice, yeah, um, is uh, quite quite a moment of uh, like boy, you know, somebody who suffered alongside everybody has just like become a villain with their uh, newfound privilege, mm-hmm. yeah. Um things like that and and other parts of uh, of the game and, and i think you know i'm gonna try and start to entangle the themes as we get closer to the end here really like you know 
give you an idea that this game is about uh, to some degrees about about things like you know meritocracies about privilege and how they affect the people involved in them uh, I think it's uh, you find out a bit later after finding out about Breton as well that uh, I think readers who are liberated become voices but, okay yeah that is a thing I it was it was it was one of the later entries in the book of rights mm-hmm. so um there's that interesting sort of like yeah they, so they've always had the same experience of well was Brighton a reader um Brighton was a reader yeah so he was yeah that's right yeah so yeah readers who are liberated become voices mm-hmm. so yeah he's at, they uh have to be since literacy is illegal so they mm-hmm. have to be using that to serve this oppressive regime but yeah. brighton seems to love it yeah he really does and shit. yeah which again as you say is like people can choose what to do with their their rising out of hardship and they can be become oppressors mm-hmm. uh which is definitely what brighton did um the the story of orlek being denied his uh his liberation yeah. is that he was a uh, he was uh, going to go into the shimmer pool. He was anointed. Yeah, he was anointed. Uh, his team won, and he was pushed aside by his teammate. Mm-hmm. At the last minute. Yeah, it was this kind of bandit lady, mm-hmm. and uh, she pushed herself into the shimmer pool. Now that doesn't work, so she was uh, she was killed in the process of trying to be liberated. Continuity error. Mm-hmm. Um, I let the fates win, okay. and uh, Dagbert uh, was the anointed. And he pushed uh, his son into the shimmer pool Ooh. in his place before he could react. And Almer went back uh, to live a life alone in the Commonwealth. That's, so that's I right. was a little grumpy <laughs> when I yeah. saw this big oversight. Oh, man. The, that didn't and even I occur grumpy. to me. I, I wasn't grumpy, but yeah. I was like, hey, wait a minute. These these two events com- directly contradict each other in mm. a really, really big way. Yeah, that is interesting. I wonder if there's a yeah. Maybe it's because the anointed willed willed him to go home, yeah. whereas this anointed was denied. Because there is a, there is a, a decision towards the end of the game that involves someone being given a choice over who gets liberated. So I wonder if because this yeah this isn't you know, this isn't someone's choice being taken away. Yeah, it, it could be a very different event. Mm-hmm. It could uh, just be a cosmic thing. Yeah, yeah. That's that makes it seem less bad, but I can imagine initially being pissed off by it. I was <laughs> I was very disappointed when you first when you first raised that there. Um, yeah, so Orlech is is uh, you know he's bitter because of this this experience. Um, and how does he articulate that into into wanting to take revenge on Sandalwood though? Uh, well, he feels that. He feels betrayed by all of the Nightwings, mm. not just uh, Erisa. Uh, so he he sees this, you know, these new Nightwings together when he was, uh, you know, cast aside and left for dead because he fell off a mountain as well. So yeah. he was just like out of commission for a long time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, so I, I guess he was just tainted by vengeance. Mm. Um, and yeah. it was formerly he, like he was formerly a doctor. Yeah, he had a, uh, he had a sympathetic background prior to that. Yeah. yeah, he he seems like very much like I mean, you know, aside from the fact he's a demon, he's got a very like sinister like uh, look to him. And, yeah, uh, you know, he he definitely comes across as a villain. But uh, yeah, you realize there's more to his background, and I guess yeah, the, his bitterness is is not what twisted him. I just yeah, 
wasn't aware I couldn't remember the specifics of his you know why he wa- exactly wanted his revenge Obviously, I, he I think entitled. he just kind of wants his revenge at the situation and sees Sandalwood as, as an outlet mm. I mean because his best friend was Brighton who's now this oppressive voice yeah. and like what was formerly his best friends like betrayed him and and, and died mm. and then sandalwood is the last rem- rem- remaining remnant that's reachable mm. of the former nightwings at least yeah. that's what i that's what i read it as i might have missed something no no that's that's a good thing because again talking speaking of the themes in this game uh there's an oppressive power in the commonwealth you know that is put upon the people like suffering having to do these rights but it doesn't always have a face and um you know and sometimes like someone brighton is the face of it but even he comes from the same same background as yeah. as the ones fighting so um i felt very much that it was talking about how there's you know when you have a, even if you have a system that seems fair like the, like the rights you know possibly seem fair um they because you know, they're based on merit to some degree mm. you know like uh it became very clear with with being <laughs> why yeah. should it be yeah um being being clear with with the nightwings that hey if someone wins somebody loses mm-hmm. you know and and like the people who do really well uh do so at the cost of others in 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 like most cases mm-hmm. so so the idea of like you know realizing that hey your privilege is bought by someone else's suffering was made pretty pretty clear uh in this game and i, I really yeah, yeah enjoyed that. that yeah that that it manages because it's it's all of these broad like allegories for politics and, and the way like you know people interact with them and social systems that were made really clear through the use of fantasy and and uh, you know that that was that was really impressive and powerful mm-hmm. for me so yeah now that you describe that detail of of Aurelis kind of like his own bitterness yeah he had to be angry at something mm-hmm. but he just picked a face who turned out to be sandalwood who isn't really responsible and that's you know and that's also what people do in this in this circumstance yeah uh so so uh he doesn't come uh, come quite back to antagonize you directly for a while as you continue continue with the rights you have a match against him yeah when you first meet him yeah and then he he says he'll have his day mm-hmm. and uh comes back every so often just to peek his head in and yeah. tell you that you're fucked and yeah, then he, uh, yeah. disappears again mm. um, but you do conduct other other rites mm-hmm. in this time and the the stars are going out at this mm, point they are so yeah so each cycle to liberation rights becomes uh, uh, lesser and lesser and also there's only a limited number of rights left mm. uh, and there's never enough rights to get all of the night wings home mm. uh, there's seven rights and there's nine nine night wings yeah and and you, you know are you gonna are you going to win? a reader can never go home yep and are you going to are you going to win uh, at all these rights you don't know are you well, i you say a reader a reader can never go home but one who doesn't compete in the rights can never go home mm-hmm. so if if a reader gains enlightenment um you know brighton brighton went home sandalwood could feasibly go home if mm-hmm. he gets the enlightenment but you as a reader because you're never you can't your anoint, character in particular yeah can't be anointed yeah you can't anoint you yourself can't so yeah um yeah sandalwood can be liberated in the course of the game but he, he'd have to be anointed in one of the rites did you like do that i i didn't send sandalwood home i didn't get in enough enlightenment for him by okay. the end of the game yeah because I, I didn't love using him <laughs> yeah yeah that was i, a, I that used was a him problem. a bit at first mm. Um, he's got some interesting techniques. Uh, as a sap, he can plant uh, a, a sprout. 
mm-hmm. uh, which functions as like an extension of his uh, aura, yeah. uh, which is stationary on the field. So mm-hmm. you can use that as a barricade or as like a landmine. Mm-hmm. Um, but he moves very, very slowly. He can teleport, but his mobility is very, very poor. Yeah. So uh, I did try with him for a while, but eventually um, I just went with other characters. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, you you could you could ostensibly buff his stats, but I, I just I'd put all of my my resources into into other characters as well. Yeah. So you didn't send him home either. Right? Uh, no. Also, I, I I kind of got the impression that you know he had work to do in the downside, and yeah. like he he seemed invested enough in the the plan over himself, where like as a leader he felt like you know he'd be fine either either place as long as the plan like got the support it needed. And, uh, you know, I thought other characters would have gotten more emotionally out of uh, being returned to the Commonwealth. Mm-hmm. So, so I focused on them more. I, um, I felt as it went on that maybe the downside wasn't the worst fate. Mm-hmm. Obviously, it's uncomfortable. The food is bad. It's, um, it's a shitty place to be. However, like your triumvirate does have a, a togetherness. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I mentioned that I felt bad sending Tizo home. Yeah. Like, you know, like Tizo would be... He was fine in the end uh, in the Commonwealth, but, like, the Commonwealth is an oppressive place, and the the uh, downside for all of its faults and being, like, a, a unpleasant penal colony, it seemed to be a freer place. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I saw um, characters who I thought would be all right there. I didn't strive towards liberating also I, I think there's there's very much the idea which you know gets clearer as you get towards the end of the story or, or at least at the end of the story that hey the downsides i mean and again you know one would apply this to like the allegory the game's trying to present is that like hey the downsides are awful place in some ways but you could also make that make it a better place mm-hmm. instead of just like trying to escape it yeah um so so again I felt like someone like like uh, Sandalwood would be a positive force in the downside so I was like yeah no you 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 know you'd be okay here. Mm-hmm. Um yeah it, it's I I thought felt the same way about somebody like um like um Sir Sir Gilman because you know he had an interest in honor and and like you know he could fulfill his honor he didn't in the want downside. To go home anyway. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So um well, yeah, j- j- another another character interaction I wondered about. What did you th- make of the uh, relationship between the uh, the scribe gate guard, the gate guardian, and um, and the minstrel? Oh yeah, I wasn't entirely sure what to make of this. Yeah, uh, whether they were former uh, partners or just um, if she there's some kind of tension there, mm-hmm. uh, a a very intimate uh, tension. Yeah, uh, not necessarily. Uh, indicative of a previous romance mm-hmm. um, it it was tough for me to make sense of it seemed like she was um, she didn't seem to approve of the fact that he was journeying with the, with the night wings mm-hmm. in in their carriage uh, Tarek the the white uh, minstrel yeah uh, and her, her name is Celeste mm-hmm. uh, but the two of them they have to play the song mm-hmm. the liberation song over the rights so yeah. he has to like return to his duty but um, I'm not sure if it was like a, a, a jealousy or just kind of like looking down on the fact that he's choosing to uh, travel with as uh, and, and befriend um, this triumvirate in like mm. a pilgrimic fashion when that's not what his life is 
or his purpose is meant to be. Yeah. I'm not sure. Well, what about, what about you? Um, I mean, I, I, I'm only just sort of like, like thinking of it now, but I guess it's like, you know, they, they, they present the kind of like this interesting dichotomy of two people in a similar role, but from different worlds. Yeah. So yeah, she's got this disdain for who he is, but you know, he it's kind of like, yeah, you know, it's just cause he's, he's sort of like different, but they're, yeah, their similarities make her judge him a bit. I suppose. Yeah, yeah you know. They seem to like each other. But yeah, it seemed like more of a frustration rather than a distaste. Yeah, yeah, definitely. But she was still kind of like, oh, you know, you're doing this. Yeah, I kind of thing. Uh, I mean, their 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 songs, as you mentioned, it's an interesting piece of musical narration as you get in these super giant games where the liberation rights have them singing a duet. I find these pretty cheesy. Yeah, <laughs> uh, I I didn't I didn't love them, and uh, I kind of tuned them out. <laughs> yeah, uh, which is like actually i guess different from the other songs with lyrics in the previous supergiant games but i mean it felt like a small detail in a lot of the other writing in this game mm-hmm. so yeah i mean it just like i it, it felt to me it was like okay i, I acknowledge this as a character thing mm-hmm. um yeah maybe they went too far with with too many lyrics and songs in this game now that um, i think about it what I, kind of feel that way about all three Supergiant games. Okay, I know that, right. you, yeah. that you have a bit more affection for mm. the earlier games yeah. songs than I do, but I always, in all three of these games, I find it a little bit heavy-handed. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, I... I a I bit def- too literal. Yeah, I, I agree with that. Um, I, I just felt like, like they the, those moments worked in the first games for me. But yeah. uh, They didn't yeah. wholly work for me, but this mm. uh, Pyre in particular is where I felt the most annoyed with it. Oh, uh, yeah. So... Yeah. Also, I mean, there there are loads of really good songs in the Pyre soundtrack. Uh, yeah. Yeah. These ones are the weakest by far. So. So yeah. Yeah. Um, They sound very basic. mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. They've got this like kind of like you know I guess it's a like you know uh, medieval ballady quality, which is not like necessarily a fun piece of music. It's just someone (laughs) telling you telling you what's happening in a in a like you know against in a musical sort of meter, kind of like a. Randy Newman, I suppose. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, I just pictured the Randy Newman <laughs> version of of these uh, <laughs> the right themes. <laughs> That'd be awesome. Mm. Uh, so yes, the uh, their their relationship develops as they see each other. You don't really necessarily see it go anywhere, um, mm. uh, but you you head towards the final right as the stars are going out. Mm-hmm. Uh, as you said, the time gets shorter and shorter between each right. And uh, the very last rite is a... Well, the very last rite before the last liberation is an eerie sort of, you know, contest where the other team just hasn't shown up. Hmm. And uh, I found that, that like, kind of interesting. It was like, you still play it. You you just sort of, like, you know, one of your team members, I guess, walks over to the pyre. I mean, I don't know if you tried to do anything else in that in that rite, or... Well- uh, oh, did you not get this? I right? didn't get this at all. Okay, what is, what is this? Okay, wow. So, so an event happened. Like, so I went to this last, the last right against the um, the Pyrehearts, who were the, the last team I wanted to play against uh-huh. before the liberation, and they weren't there. They like you know, because the stars were going out. Like there was like lack of like you know, it's like like everyone because the stars were going out had. I mean, maybe it's is because this of the liberation right. No, it was b- before the last liberation right. Okay, like. Yeah. Maybe like two liberation rights from the end. Yeah. I was due to fight the Pyre Hearts, and they didn't show up. But Orlek showed up, okay. and I had to fight Orlek. Yeah, and his true true uh, Nightwings. Hmm. But I never had uh, an empty 
empty battle against a pyre. No, this was an empty battle with no. It was implied that well, because again, because all the stars are going out, because people feel like the rites are coming to an end. Many people had just abandoned, abandoned like you know all of these practices because what's the point? Was was right. the, 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 oh, the? I had people fighting till the end. Okay, um, I, I, I guess the tone of the world does change depending on on you know who you liberate and what's going on. So. Yeah. So yeah, and, and I, it could be something to do with the pyre hearts as well, being uh, led by a coward that they just would choose not to fight as well. But no, no one showed up. I went over and like just deposited the orb in a like smoldering, already extinguished pyre, and you get like a you get the same victory scream, but like you know the voice is very like underwhelmed. And, that's uh, awesome. Yeah, I, I I thought it was a special like I, I thought it was a, like you know part of the story, but uh, it's kind of really cool that that happened to me. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I wonder what governs that. Yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, the, I was getting lots of story towards the end that was was talking about the sort of like this depressed mood as the stars were going out. So, hmm. so yeah, I don't know if that that mood may vary depending on how the game's played. Uh, people felt people on the downside. They they saw that this was ominous and not good, mm. but everybody was still fighting to try and get home before mm. the the rights. Uh, ended permanently mm. uh, in in my game. It could well have been that the pirates might have been. Actually, no, they weren't that far down the rankings either because I sort of fought them to lower them in the rankings because I, mm-hmm. I, I found them kind of annoying to fight sometimes because they moved really fast. Yeah, they're <laughs> pretty fast. Yeah. So I was like, yeah, I don't want to fight my final liberation against you guys. Um, but you don't, anyway. You don't fight the final liberation against... I think the, the final liberation is probably fixed. Yeah, it is I always guess. against uh, Orelek and his uh, original Nightwings. Mm. Uh, and and this was like an SNK boss battle. I I this was a nightmare. I just couldn't touch them. They were running circles around me. Okay. Um, I had to turn the difficulty down for this final battle. Mm. Um, then you found it easy with the difficulty down, I presume. Yeah, yeah, yeah I did. Yeah. Almost too easy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, it's like yeah, I, I did the same thing, and it was like so. But I, I couldn't. I couldn't cope. I did try a couple times. I did. Like, I oh, did. God. I did. Okay. I I think I did okay against them, but once they um. Uh, and I almost won, so I, I think if I'd been prepared to give it more time, mm-hmm. I would have been. I would have been fine with that battle. It wouldn't. Have, I don't think I found it as frustrating as that. Um, and I mean, this is again where, like, depending on who you picked and what your techniques are, I wonder how much it varied for you. Because uh, the big problem in that fight is when he calls down fire from the sky, yeah. and uh, and it just like kill, like banishes people outright when it hits them. Yeah. Uh, which is like, yeah, that seems really unfair. But I, at that point, I had Headwind's ability, and someone else had a similar ability of reviving, of instantly resummoning a member by just walking over the point at which they were banished. Yeah, that was a great skill. Yeah. I did uh, I did send Headwind home just before that battle, though. Okay, I, right, yeah. I was having Headwind stick around, and then I found out about his romance with the, with the harp lady mm-hmm. and thought, hey, you know what? I bet you can you can hook up with her again and subvert... Uh, the Commonwealth. So uh, right. I sent him home very late in the game. Yeah, so he, I didn't have that ability anymore. He was anointed for that battle with me. So so he he was in in that that uh, that thing. Um, he was anointed second to last for me, and then the final person I sent home was Jadariel. So they could I'd sent Ruki home before that, so like the originals could all uh, mm-hmm. get together. Yeah, uh, I, I, at, I sent all those end. home too. Um, who else did you send home then? Uh, Tizo mm-hmm. and. That's it? Yeah, because okay. I only prevailed in four. Mm. I failed three. I, I failed the first one against the Tempers because nobody seemed to want to go home. Mm-hmm. Uh, then I failed against the Fates. So 
they could go home, mm. and then I cave to Pamatha's plea yes, to send so her did sister I. home. Yeah, I, 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 um, it was, I was quite late in sending the fates home because I didn't realize. Oh, I mean, like you know, I thought, oh yeah, he's pretty sad. Um, but then it didn't occur to me. Oh shit! If he loses, they're never going to go home. So I, I, I prioritized it much later. I liked. Um... I like how it's like a double-edged sword with sending the fates home mm-hmm. because like you find that uh you know he, Almer he's not happy without his father mm-hmm. and uh so he becomes quite listless and you know because you you've done this favor to them and mm-hmm. then Dagbert has pushed his son in uh then you know Dagbert just goes off to you know be an old dog and die yeah. uh and his son is just without him in this other world and he's just completely despondent and it's like your your good what seems as like a good deed throwing this match might not be uh, an optimum outcome. Well, my my uh, solution to that was that I um, I sent Bay home. Oh, did you? Yeah, and yeah. Uh, because of her bond with uh, Almer, they. Um, I thought about doing yeah. that, but I didn't. In the they end. ended up actually, um, and and they they there's a the the like the nice part of that story is it says that um, that because they they uh, they they have a relationship together, and because of that. It, well, it's implied that they they have a child, and uh, oh. the it said the old heart uh, lineage continues. Oh, that's nice. Yeah. So um, yeah, I was I was just, yeah really happy to see that bit. Hmm. Um, so so yeah, again these like you know these variations in how how the the story goes. So who did you send home? All in all. All in all. Uh, so yeah, Jodari. Well, yeah, so Tizo first, uh-huh. uh, then Ruki. Um, after he he resolved his debts. Yeah. Um, and then Jadariel. Um, I can't remember what my decision was on sending Jadariel home when I did. I guess I didn't like feel enough empathy for um, Ignarius or whatever his name was hmm. to really like you know to to send him instead. I, I it wasn't really yeah. about him for me. It yeah. was just because Jadariel and and Hedwin they were both like look anoint anybody but yeah. us, and then they were the only ones I could anoint. So it's like well obviously they want to stick around. Yeah. So let's like cave yeah. yeah yeah this was this was much much later by the time i, I got around to jadariel and and the idea also that she'd probably be a real force for good yeah uh back in the commonwealth so sending her home felt felt like a good idea um so yeah i caved to pamitha as well like 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 you said you did um because i really wasn't going to send pamitha home but it was just that that sort of like you know discovering her thoughts um, oh, did you read her thoughts when you were given the choice to? I did, yeah. You did? Because it was like, no, I didn't. Because it felt at that moment, it was like she said, don't read my thoughts. It's pretty funny. Yeah? Um, okay. She starts thinking, hmm, these guys trust me. What if I just killed them all? What if I just <laughs> killed them all in their sleep and then went back to the high wing remnants? Yeah. Haha, ha, just kidding. I know you're reading my thoughts. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's no, really. Now leave me alone. <laughs> yeah, that's really cool. I, yeah, I felt I, at that moment. I felt really bad about reading her thoughts yeah. because it was like, gosh, this is super intimate. I don't think I could do this if someone told me not to. So I, yeah. I just, I, I didn't. And I, I, but I thought, okay, yeah, you, you don't want to, yeah, you don't want to be sent, <laughs> you do, yeah, you, you do want to be sent home. So I did. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, that was Pamitha and then, and then Bay, mm-hmm. um, you know, who I sent back because, uh, yeah, well, because I somehow thought she'd be a positive influence and because of Ulmer. And then uh, my, f- I'd, I'd want her to be together with compatriots or a love yeah. interest. Yeah. So yes, yeah, so I, I figured I'd be sending her to Ulmer. Yeah. I hoped I was anyway. Um, and uh, finally, it was Hedwin. Mm-hmm. 
okay. who anointed in the last right. And and the way that last an- anointing and liberation plays out is uh, mm-hmm. also different. Because... Uh, yeah, this is pretty neat. Yeah. You're given... Um, basically, because it's the final liberation, it occurs in... In a different fashion, the, the the shimmering pool sputters out at the end, and then reignites a different color, and um, turns blood red. Yeah, and uh, you, you know, you, that means the liberated can choose someone else to liberate, which is the opportunity for you as the reader to be liberated. Mm-hmm. And in my case, Hedwin uh, said, "Oh well, you know, I choose you to be liberated." Jadariel did the same. Okay, yeah, it seems like they they're both the kind who would do that, mm-hmm. and. Uh, and you can either pass that back to them, or or you're given the option to to, to liberate them, or liberate Orlek, yeah. which is... Uh... Or you can accept it and go home. Mm-hmm. So what did you do? I sent Jadariel home. Right, yeah. Because, like, you know, Orlek did have it stolen from him unfairly. However, that was Jadariel's choice to give it up to send me home. And mm-hmm. I thought, like, it would be really really disrespectful to be like oh you're giving me your choice i'll just give it to somebody else so yeah. it's like look i insist you have to go home mm. you fought for this uh you will have a better life in the commonwealth than yeah. than my withered body can mm-hmm. so um so i sent her home to be that final agent for the plan yeah um i i did yeah i did the same with hedwin like uh, you know i sent him home and uh, you know he was shocked but accepted it mm. um you find out um, <clears throat> in the epilogue that uh, if he doesn't get sent home, at least in my case, Orelek kills himself. Yeah, he did yeah, in mine yeah, too. Which is he like pretty bleak. Threw himself from the cliff that he fell off of initially as yeah. like coming about in like a, a roundabout way of, uh, I should have just died here. So I'll yeah. go back to this place and, and actually die. It's pretty, it's pretty tragic. Yeah. Uh, um, because uh, I, I, so I looked at, at like alternate endings. I know that if he does, if he does return, he um, goes back into his role as as a, a doctor and mm-hmm. you know helps the wounded and people who are like you know people who might get hurt in the revolution. Mm-hmm. Um, he just goes back to who he was before, which is kind of like a bit of a statement on well you know the circumstances made him yeah made know. him into a monster Sorry. yeah literally <laughs> yeah um, yeah which I think is what the whole demon thing seems like it's yeah. about you know yeah and and people can either either go with that though or they can go against it so you know even though you are literally a monster you don't have to be one. Mm. Um, so yes, uh, the uh, the outcome of of the uh, revolution, which can vary, the revolution can fail. Um, how was how did yours go? Uh, mine went almost according to plan until uh, Tamitha's high wings showed up, mm-hmm. and uh, there was uh, quite a bloody battle between uh, like the the high wings took the side of the revolution, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, the uh, Commonwealth power. Employ- started employing lethal force so there was uh, a bloody revolution in the end and sandalwood was pissed off about that uh but you know accepted it because that's i guess it's naive to think there'll be a bloodless revolution mm-hmm. uh, which it is yeah. um and aside from that the the commonwealth did fall and mm-hmm. the uh the uh Saurian union came about which yep. was a uh uh, they they ban uh, exiling to the downside mm-hmm. from that moment onward, and uh, reading is no longer illicit. So it's a much more. Uh, it seems like they're they're on track to make it a much better place. Yeah. Um, How did it go for you? Uh, so the similarly, and, and as I understand it, like the main strokes of of the ending are largely similar, but there are so many like tiny details that vary. Yeah. Um, 
dynamic endings for every character yeah exactly which is which is like you know amazing and and one of the awesome things about this game so many flags depending on who's where yeah i can't i can't imagine what it was like to write Mm. um but so the revolution is was was a lot less i mean there was still violence of Mm -hmm. course but there was a like there was a lot less violence uh but uh yeah, the same thing happens with the uh, Highwind Remnants. They they do sweep in and they take adva- they take advantage of a weakened Commonwealth, mm-hmm. and um, I think the conflict is you know there's still violent conflict, but less of it. Yeah. And again, you know, there's that story of like, hey, yeah, you can't have a bloodless revolution. Really, mm-hmm. it's it's next to impossible, especially you know if you think of a nation on the scale that they're describing. Uh, so there's violence, people die, but it, you know it could have been a lot worse. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Sandalwood is is pleased with how things turn out. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, I think uh, if you look at her story, Tamitha, in my case, is one of the key uh, players in the revolution. Yeah, uh, yeah, because she's like a, she's like an expert flyer and stuff. Mm-hmm. So because they have the the harps, she, she gets surgery. Yeah, because uh, every harp gets their wings clipped before they're sent down. Yeah, so they can like they can only fly in a very limited capacity. But uh, yeah, she can she gets t- back up to full clip. Yep, and um, until he's responsible for like a surgical strike, I think that helps take down the Commonwealth. Mm. Um, yeah, Bay gets um she gets a uh, offered a teaching position because they <laughs> really? were, because like you I know her, she knows a lot about the scribes. Yeah, it's like you know her spirituality and stuff is like you get the idea that she become that she has the potential to become a new age guru of some sort, <laughs> and she, but she turns that down mm-hmm. and uh, just like you know like works towards a revolution and and eventually you know makes a life with with Alma in my story. Um, she wandered alone through the Commonwealth, through the uh, downside in mm. my ending, which was was pretty sad. She was really, really lonely for Tizo as well. Yeah. Uh, Tizo and Jadariel were mm. who she wanted to uh, be close to, but uh, she uh, who did she become friends with in the end. Um, I think she became quite close with Big Bertrude mm-hmm. and like would stay in touch with her, but okay. was kind of like on a lonely pilgrimage, and she like pretended that Tizo and Jadariel were were with her. Mm. She also maintained a friendship with the reader. Okay. As well, yeah. Um, yeah, mine. Um, let's see. I mean, because Ru- Ruki was absolved of his debt and back yeah. in in uh, in uh, the Commonwealth, his like business thrived. And him and Falcon Ron, who's the, the trader, <laughs> they set up like a kind of like a trade thing, and yeah. they were both kind of like doing really well off of it. Well, he got sent down because he was working with Falcon Ron in the first place, yeah. and it, he was smuggling goods into the downside through Falcon Ron. Mm-hmm. Uh, but now that uh, the Commonwealth has fallen, they're able to like set that up as like a legit business. Yeah, <laughs> it's good. Yeah, and 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 for me, Sandalwood had the, you know he was like teaching reading and and uh, you know using his printing presses to spread knowledge across the downside, which yeah. you know again, which I was the kind of thing I hoped he would do. So. Mm. So that was cool. <laughs> Bertrude in love with Sandalwood. Yeah. But um, it, it doesn't work out, but they end up becoming best friends. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's I remember that. Yeah. Oh, uh, so good. <laughs> um, yeah, um, yeah, because Bertrude, she goes back to, to like running her shop or yeah, something. Yeah, like she's got like a hotel out yeah. in the, oh, yeah. the swamp. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah, um, there, there are finer details I, I didn't I didn't quite recall. They they do a song as well at the end, which was like mm-hmm. it was okay. It was like you know that describes each of the characters, um, the, and, and like happy illustrations of all the characters in a yeah. in a slightly like in a in a, like a, a cuter kind of like manga sort of style. Which yeah, uh, which yeah. Uh, which I don't know. Did you like that? I, I thought it was like kind of. Um, I actually ended up missing most of it because oh, okay. I needed to stop to have uh, lunch uh, with Justina when that part was scrolling. Okay. And I thought that if I went back to the menu, it would pause it, oh. and then like I 
you know when came back from the menu and it was just done it was it was a nice like visual kind of like scroll yeah, I saw the beginning characters. of it yeah when it ends in this like like kind of like room full of books basically mm. which which i think is like yeah that, that's probably like you know where i i took it to be the view of you as the reader like you know in, yeah. their, in their like later days um so um yeah i mean that that that's the story of pyre which can vary vary a great deal i mean for what i understand what i've, I've looked into we, we, well you both have now uh the revolution can fail but uh, as as uh, it seems, the uh, the Commonwealth is destined to collapse. Hmm. Really, so you know, there there it, it it cannot stand upon you know what it's with what it's based upon, hmm. uh, and you know, given it's the how it articulates, it varies. Yeah, given the pressure, like you know, the fact that they're under assault from the the Highwind Remnant, they're they're going to collapse at some point. Um, yeah, this this story compared to that of Transistor and Bastion had a lot i mean it had a lot more to say in terms of like you know different the different factors that affect people in these i mean it, it, you know there is it's got a lot more to say literally yeah oh yeah absolutely Whereas, yeah. as the previous games had a bit of a light touch where they were realized worlds but um pyre really sort of delves into the lore in a way that its predecessors do not mm. and uh yeah what did you think of the lore then you know in the world overall as it was uh, it took me a while to get into, but uh, once I got into it, I was really, really into it. Mm -hmm. And I liked yeah. having the Book of Rights, where yeah. pages get added to uh, about uh, individual spots mm. and gods, and you, you know, you're learning about the eight scribes and how you're kind of walking in their footsteps in some ways. Yeah, uh, and thinking of them as the RPG parties uh, yeah. is a really good analogy. I hadn't hadn't really considered that, and it totally fits. Yeah. yeah. So I like that stuff a lot, and I like how much thought. Uh, went into describing these countries and mm -hmm. this sort of living living purgatory or living uh, Hades. Yeah, uh, I feel like the writing around all of that was was top notch and mm. very evocative and very immersive. Yeah, without being like it didn't it never really felt overwrought, especially because so much of it yeah. was kind of optional. It's pretty whimsical in the same yeah. way that Bastion is, but mm -hmm. uh, it's more there's more detail. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, yeah, I didn't, I didn't really connect with the history and the backstory stuff to, in the beginning as well. I, I like the characters straight away. But, yeah, uh, yeah, I like the characters first. I was most interested in learning about them, but yeah. then once more and more of the backstory was made apparent to me, that mm -hmm. was when I started you know, really gelling with it. Yeah, absolutely. Same here, and, and also because you realize the connections between, uh, between well, between the rights, how they're significant, what the scribes were. were possibly trying to achieve and like you know the, the different philosophies represented through that were, mm -hmm. were were again you know they had they had more value when you got more invested in the story so so yeah that that became um, a much more satisfying experience uh the book of uh the book of rights itself is also just like <laughs> the way it was animated and presented it uh, presented i loved it it yeah. was like uh the big glittery gem on the cover <laughs> yeah yeah i like uh, moving the cursor over uh over the text and seeing it light up mm -hmm. like it's like a magnifying glass or like a seeing stone yeah yeah it was like yeah like it was a literally illuminated land uh, um illuminated manuscript in some ways yeah um <laughs> and, and the, the cover like you know rocks uh before it opens like giving it the real ta almost like I mean, it's one of the best looking 3d items you know yeah. you see on screen also, like, it's it's a bit of a necronomicon you find out that it's it was bound in the skin of Islock. Mm -hmm. oh yeah which is great <laughs> yeah yeah totally and and you know it's it's got all this like 
you know the knowledge is literally forbidden because you're not allowed to to transcribe it or, or bring it away from from mm. the downside so that that you know, you're not even allowed to say that it exists you just pass it on to the next mm-hmm. the next team yeah yeah i mean i didn't i didn't think on the the well you know because this isn't the game i've i've been able to ruminate on for as long as i have with like say transistor or bastion um there is yeah there's some kind of metaphor there i think for for you know forbidden well in this case it's literally forbidden knowledge but forbidden knowledge you know things that people don't tell each other to to you know sometimes because they want a leg up or something but mm. uh yeah there's definitely a through line about mm. uh, using and abusing privilege mm-hmm. yeah and, and again uh, as i said earlier the 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 cost at which one buys their their privilege yeah uh which was you know which is really well illustrated hmm so that's pyre uh yeah yeah that is pyre uh i think it's again it feels like it's a very positive you know it's it's kind of didactic in there they're they're sort of telling you oh, hey this is this is how things can pan out you know mm-hmm. you know these are the responsible you know these are the consequences of one's actions and uh like the, the i guess the whole idea that you know corrupt imbalanced systems will eventually collapse but you know at possibly at terrible cost mm. unless people work against them and and you know the, the the bonds that we form in that time can be valuable oh i didn't mm. i didn't talk about the speech you get to write the speech oh yeah you do yeah yeah, yeah. before the final battle mm. i mean yeah i wrote the kind of like you know the importance the importantness of together well the importance of togetherness was was a, a big feature in oh, mine yeah so did yeah. i yeah i mean because it could be like well we've got here we're, we're here to do this we might as well do it <laughs> yeah you can you say know? that or yeah. you can talk about like fate and mm. like the you know divine duty or you can be like well you know what we're we're together even if we're apart mm. and let's uh, let's make it count and uh, let's let's all uh stand together and be unstoppable yeah the only other game i think that uh, i remember doing this in was uh mass effect because uh i think dragon quest inquisition does oh, it as well possibly yeah i think it, yeah it might be a bit of a bioware thing i mean in lots yeah. of ways i was reminded a bit of of bioware games because of like you know the the choices that you make affecting a lot of people in some instance and and the speech making i suppose mm-hmm. yeah but in a, in like a good making way. um abraham lincoln's head speech in sam and matt season one yeah is that maybe the is that maybe the first place well, that's, it sounds like one of the actually. earliest places where that yeah. happens wow you have to get you get him to lose the election by saying um by like putting cue cards so he says um his uh position on um nuclear waste is free home delivery <laughs> <laughs> oh that's pretty great it's good yeah <clears throat> uh yeah i mean pyre super giant three for three mm-hmm. um stellar stellar work yeah i i think you know, I, I there's a special place in my heart for Transistor. I think that everything gels as a whole, best of all Empire, really. Yeah, I think yeah. so. Yeah, um, it's very, very different from from what they did before. But yeah, it, it works. Mm. It, it works, and it's it's great. Yeah, I mean, they're all they're all great games, worth playing for their individual reasons. But the the there there feels like there's there's a lot of game. I mean, narratively as well as system wise in mm-hmm. in in Pyre. So um, even if you haven't played it, and we've spoiled a lot of the game for you, it's uh, the ways in which you can experience the story. Um, well, you've, you've heard that Alba's had a whole story scene that I didn't. Yeah, so. yeah, you know, with gameplay and everything. So. Mm uh you know it's it's definitely worth uh reading so yes 
Yeah. Uh, we're a little long this week, uh, so we're not going to do games chat, but we will do that in our next episode. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't think we've decided what we're doing next, but I'm, you know, stay tuned. I'm sure we'll have something for you. Yes, we've got ideas. Uh-huh. Uh, but for now, um, if you want to check us out, we're on the web at misanthropop.com, and we're on... Twitter at Misanthroplay, and and we've even got a Facebook page if you search there for Misanthroplay. Um, and that's us. Uh, it is indeed. Yeah. Uh, we'll catch you in a couple of weeks, and uh, look forward to you hearing us again. Bye.